0: Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me?
1: Welcome to the Gravity Lift podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love.
0: Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella.
1: Our guest on the podcast today is Brian Becker a guy who I've known in the Seattle scene for several years now. We kind of have a strikingly similar progression through our life in the dance music world as DJs in this Seattle scene. But we never really crossed paths on a, on a very deep level until quite recently when he did a giveaway for free piano lessons, and I, I won.
0: And you dabbled in the piano.
1: Yeah, it was it was fun to play with it a bit, learn, uh, I guess, pick back up from where I had kind of left off when I was like six years old or something it was the last time I had piano lessons.
0: Remember when your mom made you do piano lessons? I totally had that. And now I'm bummed and wish I had stuck with it or I don't know. I guess there's always an opportunity to go back.
1: Yeah, he's... I, I talk about it in the podcast, but I definitely like refer to him as the piano man around Seattle right now. He
0: uh, is that a Billy Joel reference? No,
1: not no. at all. <laughs> I, I'm not old enough for a Billy Joel reference, but he just uh, he really likes piano, and a lot of people learn piano to learn music theory to learn to produce music, and he produces music, but he plays piano for the love of piano, and that energy shines through and it was really awesome talking to him about the similarities between our lives in this scene and our progressions of ups and downs and producing and love of life
0: well don't give me too many spoilers because i came in quite a bit late to this one since i was off teaching and I'm excited to listen to it. I listen to all of them, but this one will be extra special since I missed the first hour or so, so.
1: Yeah, you'll hear her pop in at about the hour and a half mark. And so with that, please give it up for Brian Becker. Ooh, My volume levels look good. My volume levels look... Oh, beautiful. Present as ever. Oh, look at those. Oh my
2: gosh, those waveforms. Oh, your waveforms are beautiful, dude. Oh my God. I've never
1: seen them that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so you are kind of, to me, known as the piano guy these days. <laughs> so I think it's kind of funny because it, it's not like piano some some new thing, Yeah, but I feel like in Seattle, in our scene, you're like the piano guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely been
2: something that I've kept. Um, I don't know how do I say this. I've always played the piano since high school, but I don't know. It took me a long time to share it with people. It was even back when in in, in high school when I was learning how to play, and I'd get songs down. I still wouldn't, like, feel comfortable playing them, like, in a public place. Or even sometimes, like, my mom or my sister would, like, come and, and sit in the other room, and I would know that they were there, and I just would stop, and I'd leave or something. It's just this weird confidence issue that... I'm the same way. That came, you know, and just was there. It's a performance thing. It's like, I know that someone's watching, but... Dude, I don't know. It's just... I think... I think what ended up happening with that was... Keep going. I basically, I don't know, wanted to meet people like myself who wanted to make music and play music. And I would watch all these people just like me, like on Instagram or on YouTube, just doing their thing, just like amateurs, just like me. And then I was like, okay, well, why am I not doing that? And so that question, that rhetorical question was what like made me comfortable to push forward into sharing my music, which has really been a lot of fun because I've met people even here in the scene that I would not have ever met and gone and made music with them because I played something on the piano and they're like, dude, would love to make some music with you or, you know, let's, let's share music. Let's just stay in touch or anything. And to me that has been by far the most rewarding aspect of being involved in this Seattle music <laughs> quotes scene. I don't even know what you call it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause you just released an EP today. I did moments ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe you sent me ahead before you released. I think you sent me a little while ago. Cause like I was just listening to it today and I was like, wait, yeah. I recognize this. I was yeah. like, how do I, I know this song? And I was like, Oh yeah. Cause, uh, to give people a little bit of context, um, to I guess we'll say our rekindling. We'll we'll get a little bit deeper. But our <laughs> rekindling was you posted on oh, yeah. Facebook being like, oh I'm gonna God. give away piano lessons. I was trying to do that again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was like I commented and I was like, I would love piano lessons. And you did a random generator and I won. And so I got to come out. Ding and ding do, ding. <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner. And so I got to come out and do three different times of kind of learning piano, which was awesome. Uh, I wish I could yes, say that I kept it up. <laughs> I'll still, every once in a while, go over to my mom's house because she has the piano over there. Um, I don't have a piano. I have, you know, a keyboard here that I definitely should play around with more. Bust out the the Moog. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I'll play playing play <laughs> piano on the Moog. Yeah. There's just Hell something yeah. about... The way piano unadultered and raw sounds, mm-hmm. there's an emotion to it that I think people can really connect to, um, and I've always like been intrigued by. I guess we'll say the idea of classical music. Like people always talk about listening to classical music while studying, or like makes you smarter, whatever mm-hmm. thing they bring up. And yeah, sure. And there's some certain pieces that like feel almost like no- nostalgia, and like kind of pull some stuff up. But there's something about listening to just like raw piano Mm -hmm. and that's what your new EP feels like. It's just like raw (sighs) emotion through basic sound Mm -hmm. because we're so used to so much sound, the dance music world of just like (laughs) Like, chaos. What is that that sound? Like compressed to the max. How loud can we make it? How many (laughs) tracks can you have inside of a single track for each individual noise Mm -hmm. and synth? And just to like break it down and have a few like ethereal things in the mm-hmm. background, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I gotta say, most of the music that I listen to nowadays is definitely piano based music. Like, it is most of the time, I guess people would say, Oh, wow, you're listening to a bunch of classical music. And I'm like, I don't know if you call it classical. In fact, I had a friend tell me that one, like, that ahead, the piano solo one sounded like classical music. And like, you know, I, it's, it's funny, I, I have my own qualms with classical music because it's so rigid and so like full of rules. And honestly, rules are made to be broken. So, you know, it's, I'm glad that I know the rules, but it's also funny that the music that I'm making was, you know, it was compared to classical music, but I'm like, you know, in the end, it actually doesn't matter what people call one thing versus the other. I'm just really glad that they liked it and they they said something to me because, you know, that means a lot. You know, for someone to just say, "Hey, I listened to that," you know, that that's that means something to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did an interview with Mark Martinez, which I'm not sure we were planning on posting that tomorrow, but I might post yours tomorrow. Anyway, don't worry about that. Uh, but in it, he said, um, "You got to know the rules mm. Mm. before you can break them." <laughs> Oh, yes. And, and I think that, that made a lot of sense because like the rules are made to be broken, Yeah, but like you kind of got to have to of the rules. Mm-hmm. And from my experience with you teaching me piano, you know, the rules you've spent enough time on a piano playing, learning, and also attempting to, mm-hmm. cause I know a lot of your previous stuff was very cinematic. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed cinematic production. Um, and so this like feels like a step chiller cause cinematic is already like chiller, but mm-hmm. like, it's like driving emotion that like builds. Yeah. Whereas like, this is just kind of like this again, just like raw unadulterated emotion of like plucking at your heartstrings, yeah. just like each piano
2: note. Yeah. There's a, um, there's an upright piano, the one that, um, you came over and played on. Yeah. Um, I've recently moved to a new place. I live in the basement of an apartment and I did something that I've had on my mind for a long time which was basically rip off the wood paneling of my piano, expose the strings, put some felt in between the hammers and the strings themselves. It mutes the piano, but in a very like unique way. And what what you get is a a totally different sound that in the end you know is basically what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that sounds different. And I've been reaching out to some friends of mine who know um, microphones because I need to get two microphones, just have them permanently there so that I can just play the piano and record it. Because, you know, the the Ahead a track, I just recorded as I played. And I just, I, I mean, I played it like a million times over the course of a couple of days, but... That's the only way that I was able to capture
1: that song, and that was the live recording through mm. your workspace. Mm. It wasn't like you had your DAW open and using a synth to add in that. It's mm. just all live. Yeah. See, that's <laughs> awesome, and that's something that we were kind of mentioning a second ago, talking about Alex doing uh, his oxymoron stuff. Yeah. If he, I mean, you've played with him yeah. on stage, right? And Couple times. Yeah. And he'll add in like a live saxophone that you guys have. Did yeah. you guys make a? What's yeah, do you have a name? Jane. Well, it would just be Oxymoron Live. Got it.
2: And so we did. Uh, we've we've performed twice as Oxymoron Live, and the second time was such a blast. We played at the Columbia City Theater. I it was Island Stomp. Um, I don't know the name of the promoters, but I had such a fun time there, and we had a really good time. Time spot where, like the floor was full, and you know throughout the set it was designed to feature both the piano and the saxophone player together. But then also the saxophone solo, and and then me on the keys, um, soloed out for a song or so. And then there was a couple songs throughout where there was no one playing at all. And uh, yeah, it it was just it was so much. I really hope that we can play again. Um, you know, I don't exactly know what venues that we'd be able to play at because you can't really play at Q. You can't really, you know, having a saxophone play with the DJ. I mean, I I opened for Bachermott at a at Q a, a while ago, and that's cool. You have a live saxophone player. You can have Carrie Chandler come to Q and play like the piano, but to have like a piano and saxophone playing with the DJ at Q or, or even like foundation, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to envision those spaces. And so now the places I'm thinking about are like, well, how do we play at Numos? Like yeah, how, like do, how, do, or how do we go to yeah. Chop Suey? Like, Oh my gosh. Like if autograph came in town, it could be open for them. You know, that that's the stuff I think about with, with Oxmoor on live. And so, um, you know, a, a couple, we, Alex and I have gone gone together and worked on some music and we definitely have plans to continue to make some music, but um yeah it's really exciting to think about that as like another outlet of of musical i don't know um it's basically a band yeah it's like hey guys you want to get the band back together
1: with a dj (laughs) it's it's another way of breaking the rules like the one always for me was like lincoln park like lincoln park always talks about it they're like Rest in peace, Chester. (laughs) Yeah, rest in peace. But yeah, uh, just that whole—I remember there was one song. I was such a huge Linkin Park fan. Oh my god! And so I remember like one song them talking about how just the struggles they went through having a keyboardist and a DJ and like two lead singers, one that rapped. And but that's the idea—just like break the rules because they don't matter. Yeah. But yeah, you guys got uh, booked at Apog and. You ended up having was, a wedding. That yeah, was a that DJ and a wedding.
2: Do. It was so bad.
1: <laughs> and plus, Alex
2: told me he's like, dude, this was the best experience I've ever had in my life. Everyone loved Apog, and Dane was on another level. Like he got on the he got in the crowd. Were you there? Were, yeah, were you? He yeah. was like, he got in the crowd and was like playing the saxophone around everyone. I was like, okay, stop. Like I can't. I literally like I can't. <laughs> yeah. I, I was so happy for them though. Honestly, that was, you know. The biggest FOMO moment I've ever had Apo- that I can remember, honestly.
1: APOG was sweet, and it, it, the the time slot that they did was like they basically had a a stage that was for live music during the day, mm-hmm. and then like at night, then they had DJs out in the forest. Okay, and so like they had a spot that was during the day, and because Alex was playing like fun house music, like. Mm-hmm we were all just kind of like out playing yard games or like hanging out, drinking a beer, just like chilling. And then they start playing some live music and then everyone was like up front, just getting it. Cause <laughs> oh the God. vibe was small enough that like there was nowhere else to go. Like yeah. that was what yeah. it was. And it like, it like forced interaction. Mm-hmm. APOG was amazing. Highly yeah, recommend it. I definitely plan on going, you know, um, I, uh, I guess there was
2: another issue with, with APOG is that, uh, I've been involved in Cascadia, the mm. music festival out in is it Grants Pass, Grand, somewhere something? Is Granite the, Falls. It's it granite. It's close to Granite <laughs> Falls. So it's like there's like a Masonic <laughs> park. Yeah, and I've been involved for a few years now, and honestly, I've been dying to go. Um, yeah, it's I. It's funny. I don't even know if I could go to Cascadia and not be involved at this point at, at, in some capacity, even if like even if my entire role changed, I've had a really fun time doing some stage management work the last couple of years, but even if my role changed in some huge capacity where I ended up just doing something completely different, you know, it just, I feel so like, you know, connected with the festival in a a way that, you know, I'm not involved in planning or anything like that, but it's like, I'm a part of something that is bringing life to, you know, tons of people. Like these people look forward I look forward to going to Cascadia every single year. Uh, So that was one reason why, you know, I wasn't able to go. Because even if we had the chance to play at APOG and I didn't have that wedding to play, which I had a blast at that wedding, by the way, Uh, as I usually do. And, um, you know, it it was just tough for me. It's like, well, you know, this is a an oxymoron live gig. Should I give up
1: Cascadia for this? <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, then I, and then I was like,
2: oh crap, I'm DJing a wedding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Triple bugs, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh, the summer just gets so busy with things, yeah. and you have to pick and choose. Uh, have you done any stage managing for anything outside of Cascadia? No, actually, um, no. I my first
2: interaction with Cascadia was I did uh, artist transport, mm-hmm. and basically you know, I just go pick up the artists at the airport and drive them and I did that like three times a day. And it's a lot of time in the car. And I got to know, um, you know, some other people in Cascadia. And, you know, I just expressed interest in stage management to the to, you know, some of the people there. And sure enough, you know, I bugged them enough. And I would like to try stage management. And other entities, but that's networking and you got to get to know people. And, you know, I don't really go out like I used to. So, <laughs> right. You know, I could make a point to do that, but, you know, I, 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 right now I guess I'm expressing interest
1: If <laughs> anyone who's listening. Yeah. That's kind of one of the things we've always <laughs> talked about on this podcast is our idea is like, whoever listens, the idea behind this podcast is like, get some of your wildest dreams out there, throw <laughs> it out into the ether because sometimes shit sticks. Like uh, Anthony Samaha was on and he was like, yeah, I would just love to throw my own parties. And then they threw um, that show at the that. Underground. Yeah. And he was like, I sold out my first party. And I messaged him was like, hey, you you said that on the podcast. <laughs> so that's kind of our goal <laughs> yeah. was like get people to talk about it. That, that party was awesome. I wanted to be there.
2: Uh, so I was um what time we got there like rather early like listen we got there rather early and uh essentially we felt like we were just dressed like normal club goers you know just whatever everyone was dressed like to the theme of jungle <laughs> like amazingness and i was like crap like did we we miss the memo or like i <laughs> yeah. guess i should check facebook more often <laughs> god <laughs> Everyone was great. Like the participation, like there were tons of people there just for Anthony's set. They made everything. Like I went over and shook Mark's hand and I was like, dude, honestly, whatever you guys did to this space, like this is great. Yeah. This is awesome. How long had it been since you've been there? Well, more specifically, like for that night, yeah, because there was just like a. They just added stuff. uh, Well, maybe I guess it was like the Anthony and them. They added like a bunch of extra stuff that just made it so like wonderfully jungly. But you'd been Um, there fairly recently before. It's not like Um, they had new gear or anything. I forget. Yeah, with uh, um, yeah, I think I uh, out of the most the places that I've been to, I think I've been to the underground the most recently. Okay. Um, I think it's uh, like when I have good friends that are going to DJ, eh, like I typically go and see them play. Um, you know, but I don't really go out like I used to. So, you know, it's, I know the feeling, dude, I used to go out like a lot.
1: <laughs> well, so we'll take that back then to the beginning <laughs> of when we very first met, but like didn't know each other. Oh my God, dude. I was thinking, is this Is Are you it, talking about
2: that far back? Yep. <laughs> oh, so bring oh it back for us. Paint okay, a picture. What, what was the year there? What was, what was, I just graduated Ooh. college. Was... Yeah.
1: I graduated in 2011 <laughs> okay. and came home. I'm pretty sure it was like. Late 2012, <laughs> early two thousand thirteen. I was
2: thinking about this on the drive up and I was like, I hope we talk about this. Okay, so Dante's rest in peace. Yeah. What, what it happened? Burned that? down. Happened, it burned
1: out. Yeah, I think there was like electrical fire or something and it
2: burned. That's, okay, so I had a bunch of friends that lived nearby and I ended up subletting in their home. There were nine people that lived in, their place, in that place. <laughs> don't do that ever. <laughs> no thanks. Like ever. The kitchen was just unusable. Yeah. And was it Tuesday nights? Was that the thing?
1: I don't even remember. It was like
2: electro Tuesdays, or it was like <laughs> on a week night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my friends are like, "Hey, let's let's go." Like blah blah blah, and you know my. Uh, um, Week in and week out, like, we just go. <laughs> just, I mean, I was uh, I was working at a restaurant all the time. We we actually all were, so it didn't really didn't matter what we did with our evenings, because we just go to work the next day. And uh, um, I didn't know you guys at the time. No. Uh, but um, I understand that you guys were running. You guys were, like, the promoters of the party, or were you just, like, leaders of the DJ crew
1: or... Uh, not really no you it's, guys just played a lot is that basically what that was yeah <laughs> okay cool <laughs> things it's amazing how quickly things change and how your perception of something is not what you think it is yeah. like the people that you think are running the nights are really uh, basically yeah, dude, even still do you remember today. ali reza mm, maybe uh, his name's ali reza Hadi, and that's like oh he's like a. I don't I don't know the best way to describe it. You're talking it. to
2: Ollie like in the context of the back of Dante's, right? Yeah. Okay, so um do you remember meeting my friend Phil? He he DJed that uh Dante's party once. I don't know. Um, What's his last name. It's he introduced me to Ollie because I was like, hey, I like, I would love to DJ. I never ended up DJing um because I don't know. I wasn't like you know, I didn't come into my own yet. Cause I, I came to, I started DJing like soon after that, but I guess we didn't really didn't explain what Dante's was. So Dante's was like, a, <laughs> so I like, I like to preface Good like call. big stories and then yeah. never actually get to the story. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Um, no, it's a really bad thing. That so I do. Dante's I is like, like a bar. So Dante's is like this bar, like this epically insane party place. It's like that, you
1: walk in on the street level. Yep. And then you can, and then there's like a bar yep. and a DJ booth. And then you can go downstairs. Walk downstairs
2: or upstairs. Downstairs, there's like the whole dance floor, and then there's seating everywhere. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a really cool, it intricate was, bar. That, that, like, balcony that looks over everything. That wasn't made for dance music <laughs> at all. But like, it just was a college bar. Mm-hmm. And I know people f- who went to UW like years and years and years ago who were like, oh, yeah, Dante's was a spot. Like we're talking, I don't know, I'm going to throw out some dates, but like 20, 30 years ago that people went to UW were like, oh, yeah, Dante's. I remember Dante's. Like, oh, really? It was like the like... College bar area where you go to party. If you go to UW, that was like around that people
2: knew of. Places that have so much history. I told a bunch of people about the um, Columbia City Oxymoron live show and like the house heads of Seattle. We're like, oh man, that place! Like that was the rave spot, like back in the nineties. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> cool. <laughs>
1: I would yeah, not have known that. There's, 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 there's a, a lot of history, lot in, of history in Seattle for sure.
2: Um, so yes. yeah, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, whenever that was, the party was just always full. Like there was always just a ton of people there. It's like dare I say EDM but because it, it really, was EDM it was totally EDM. no it was and EDM like, dude I mean I love that stuff like I was going to the USC parties back then um you know like go, I think that year I went to Paradiso like I was all up in that trap dubstep business yeah. oh, I, love I still miss that business. yeah uh, and Nero and all that yeah good stuff. times um, <laughs> but uh yeah um I saw you guys play both you gravity lift the time which yeah. was just so awesome and then uh um, we met like a couple times there, but like primarily when I was there, I was like with my friends and we were like going pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> as, I know the feeling. As as you do and having just recently graduated college.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I met some, I'll take this story back quite a ways. I met some girl. I don't really know how, somehow through the scene, somehow through Facebook, she was a producer and she invited me into this group called UW Plur. You ever... I think I'm in that group. Actually, I am. It's still alive. And apparently it was these college students started this group on Facebook, kind of like when Facebook first came out. Yeah. And it was just like a one to two thousand person group that it was just like a it was like a school project thing that they did. And then (laughs) they just like left it up because why not? And it just started growing popularity and kind of became a a good place to promote yourself as a DJ or to have, mm-hmm. talk about cool shows that were up in the area. Right. And that's just back when Facebook wasn't a cesspool of garbage like it is now. <laughs> <You talk laughs> and, <about. laughs> and so this girl <laughs> added me to it and I was like, okay, Cool. And I posted a mix because I was doing a monthly podcast and I would post a one hour podcast of Dave right. and I's favorite, you know, 12 to 14 songs of that right, month. Right, right. And I loved it. And I like put a shit ton of time and effort into it. And Ali Reza hit me up and was like, hey, I throw these nights. Do you want to come play sometime? Dope. Yeah. I was like, sure. And we show up and the speakers were garbage. <laughs> the equipment was garbage. Like it just it didn't thump or anything But the crowd was popping
0: yeah. So we are like okay
1: sweet And those speakers that I have right there Oh you brought these are the ones you brought to Dante's Yeah it's it's <laughs> an 18 inch subwoofer And two 12 inch speakers Dude, I used to like hug those And I would like haul <laughs> these And like we would carry them down the stairs yeah, To the, dance, the, stairs, floor the dance floor and basement
2: People like stand on them yeah. I stood on them <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because they just like they just didn't have the the infrastructure set up. Yeah, and then dude. I would I would bring my own CDJs and people were like, yo, what the fuck? Like these kids are like running it because we brought all this <laughs> oh, yeah, stuff. I mean. But we were just playing a slot, and Ali was like, <laughs> Okay, I'll give you guys the headlining slot. And so we would play like an hour and a half, like <laughs> midnight to like 1 30 a.m. slot of us Yellow just playing the craziest uh, big room, like ridiculous nonsense. Oh, dude. <sighs> It was so like, much fun.
2: That was a, that was that was the height for me, dude. There was so much good music back. I mean, there is a lot of good music, but I mean, like it's like Nero. There was like Calvin Harris. There was Porter back when Porter was. Pre Worlds, (laughs) it's like his electro stuff. You know, Porter has redefined re I don't know what do you call it. He's like reinvented himself so many
1: times, and I'm like, wow, you are. Have you seen any of his virtual self stuff?
2: I have not.
1: So I went and saw him at Paradiso. he was was just here in Seattle. I played an after party that like ratio. Yeah, you and Alex played, and like, wait, is the headliner? (laughs) Is the headliner gonna go on, Alex? Oh my god, that was uh, so funny! Ale- yeah, <laughs> Alex had to have been significantly drunk to think that I was him. But well, you do, you do look like him from photos. Maybe <laughs> Alex I don't goes really to Facebook so, to tell the story. Basically, Alex went up to the DJ and was like, thinking it was me, and was like, "Hey, when's the headliner going to show up?" And the headliner is like this French dude, and he's like. I am ratio. It's like, oh, me. Oh,
2: oh <laughs> April Fools, buddy! Welcome to America.
1: <laughs> but virtual self, I saw at Paradiso uh, this yeah, last year, yeah. and. It was interesting to see. Did you ever see Porter's World Tour? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. his World Tour at WAMU was one of my top 10 shows of all yeah, time. Yeah, it was amazing. Because he told this, like, crazy, intricate story with, like, anime. And yep. I, like, I felt like I was, was in a, a total fucking experience. Zelda mm-hmm. Nintendo game. It was, it was All amazing. the while, like, it would go from, like, beautiful, surreal music with, like, a girl talking in the background yep. to, like, heavy, gnarly, like, yep. holy fuck, heavy bass. And it was just a really cool experience. And then so seeing him reinvent himself as virtual self was very similar but it felt like taking old school porter and like putting him into the matrix (laughs) so he had like all this like crazy matrix style visual stuff on stage it was like worlds 2.0 in a totally different realm and he dropped like all this like late 90s, early 2000s, like, rave music. Yeah,
2: I wonder if I would even recognize... So, the reason why I haven't been, like, chomping at the butt to listen to a bunch of virtual self is because I don't really know what any of this music that everyone raves about is.
1: Yeah. And so... We're not that... Old. We're not old enough to really get like the the I origins of rave music. Do you know, do you know
2: these songs that he like pulls back from? Or so I should so do my homework on this. So, I <laughs>
1: think, but I I you, haven't really I done need the need homework either. To. And it was interesting being around certain individuals at Paradiso. They're like, oh shit, this is that song, and you're like, what? But like the best one that I can reference is like, it felt like it was in Blood Rave. Um What is it? Uh Wow, why can I think? Blood Rave. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's like a it's a song in the uh, Blade Runner. Oh. And it's, like, oh, so it's, like, this, like, industrial, like, techno but, yeah. like, 130-plus BPM, like, rave, yeah. rave, rave, rave. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was cool, like... It, it felt like a history lesson yeah. in electronic dance music. Oh, really? But like through Porter's eyes. Yeah. Oh, so like it okay. was really interesting to like look at and experience. Now, it didn't necessarily like speak to my soul of like, oh, my God, this is so good. But the experience sure. was something to experience for okay. sure. Okay. That's... But but he is one of those that's been super cool just reinventing himself all yeah. the time.
2: And like to think about it, like he's ne- you're never going to hear... Well, maybe we will in like 20 years Like Worlds, that tour You know, like that's only available on YouTube Yeah <laughs> You know what <laughs> I mean? Like yeah. I saw like a meme about, you know Realizing that you're never going to see uh, I think it's like the hurt me meme Or something like hurt me and then you yeah. say something And it's like, okay, stop Yeah, It was like realizing that portal will never do Worlds again you're like, okay, stop <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please don't, no Dude. more, I can't take it <laughs> But yeah, the it's it's funny listening to the progression of music cuz I think you were kind of getting to that of like the style of music that is popular right now that draws the main stage, we'll say EDC crowds, what what I think is um rightfully dubbed as EDM. Mm-hmm. You know, the whatever is the main genre at that moment, I think is very EDM. It's the commercialized version of whatever is poppy and electronic at the same yeah. time. Um, that style right now, I don't think are artists that we necessarily listen to. I think, I think the yeah. ones that come to mind are like Illenium and like Marshmallow. And like, Man, I don't, I don't, I don't know to, their music. I don't listen to their
2: music. I don't, I
1: don't, it doesn't resonate with me. Unless it's on the radio. <laughs> do you listen to the radio much? Well,
2: yeah, I actually do. When, uh, especially when wedding season comes around. Ah. Oh you gotta, you gotta pick up. That Dude, wedding okay, DJ so life. I, when I was getting ready for this wedding season, I, uh, went onto the billboards as i as you know i think you should to get like re-familiar with the music because i'm like wedding season is almost over for me playing and like i don't really listen to radio anymore because i don't care you know but i you know i don't listen to radio and i don't keep up with any of this and like post malone has like eight records on the top 100 And I'm like, okay, I know this name, but I don't. And then I listened to a song. I was like, oh, I totally know this song. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm just really bad with names and you know artists and all that. But that guy has seven, eight in the top 100, which you know, like Drake hasn't done something like that. Like Lil Wayne back the day. Like there are other artists that are huge that have not been as, I don't know, they, they haven't had that many songs in the top 10 that I can even think of. And but, I'm like, wow, how did how did that even happen? Like and plus I went back into 2017 to 2016 and I like didn't see post Malone anywhere. Just can't. And now know he's it. just like his marketing team's gotta be amazing. He's gotta never sleep at night because he's always gotta go do interviews or whatever. That's Famous how people things do. work
1: <laughs> these days. It's it, it feels like this constant influx of brand new, I'm fucking here, and mm-hmm. then usually fizzle out. Yeah. Yeah. Second.
2: Yeah. It's you. You get the album. You get the. You get the proper marketing of an album, which is the single, and then maybe another single, and then you hype that up, and then you go play a bunch of shows, or not. You drop that, or I guess you drop the album. You go on this tour. You soak up as much revenue and as much clout as you can, and then disappear for like four months, and then in <laughs> those four months, you ideally make a new rec- a new album, but you know. Not every single artist can do that. You know, yeah. just go make a second album, you know, like, oh, how hard you that could that be?
1: You got to have a full team. Yeah. And that's where it's it's a totally different life than you and I are used to. Because in our world, you produce your music. Yeah. In that world, like you're doing an art, whether it's uh, singing or rapping or mm-hmm. you know, whatever lyricism you're doing. And then. of the time you have a producer and Mm -hmm. somebody who's just making everything for you and just like all right here's a sick beat so so let me let me ask you something so Have
2: you seriously considered at one point in time like going full-time DJing and like letting yourself Enter that realm in your head. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could be like a full-time? Touring artist (laughs) at some capacity
1: uh yeah, it's that's such a hard question because like at when we go back to our Dante's days yeah that was my dream yeah that's yeah. all i wanted and then now to look at it and so i'll take it back a little bit as some context i have done I used to do artist transportation for USC, mm-hmm. so I did the same thing you did for like mm-hmm. five years. With that gives me a lot of perspective. By a the way. lot of perspective because you meet these artists and that's, who that's, that's, they're are doing this, exhausted. They don't even care. No, nope. sometimes they do. And people are usually like, "This kid's a total <laughs> asshole." Like. Um, <laughs> yeah, bass, bass is not really my preferred genre. There's some of it that I really enjoy, but Seattle is a huge thriving bass music scene that doesn't necessarily speak to me. I I'm in, I'm in a slightly different realm. And what I noticed was all of the bass guys that I would drive, were so fucking nice. Really? Those guys were there because they wanted to be there. They're new in the scene. They don't right. get a lot that of helps. play around yeah. the world, but Seattle fucking loves bass. Really? And so they would come in, they'd be so stoked to come play in Seattle and to play a big USC show. Dude, whatever a rewarding And experience. then I'd get someone like, I won't name names, but like real popular like headliner trance DJs who like trance is supposed to be this like all-inclusive <laughs> love mm-hmm. And you get these people that come through and these artists are prima donnas because yeah. they I have, have traveled them. all around the world. Mm-hmm. They're exhausted. They haven't seen their family. They're in their late thirties, early forties, and they're just done. Like yeah. they don't want to do it, but they it's They have their expectations life. now. Yep. They're, they're not willing to, to be like, Oh, I'm, that's okay.
2: We'll let's just go with the flow. You're yeah. Like, Actually I am the flow. Yeah. <laughs> you you do flow what I me. tell you. <laughs> that has given me a lot of perspective and. I don't think I could do it. The
1: only way I could do it, ah, it's like, <laughs> is so the way Antonella and I have it set up, yeah. that our life is kind of around is summer is festival season. Yeah. And so how can we make contacts that we can do fun things? And for us, we teach yoga at it and I try to DJ yeah. at certain stuff. It's just been
2: great to see you guys do this as much as you are, especially at the Dirty Bird out. That's, dude, dude, I'm so thrill. excited. It's in
1: like 14 days or something. I'm so <laughs> stoked for that. So stoked. But, uh, The, I would love to be able to go play at certain conscious festivals to be able to like have a late night time slot and like fit it into whatever genre or vibe is there. I would love to do that. But like my old desire used to be like main stage EDC and like part Hmm. of me is still like, that'd be really freaking cool. It would be really cool. But at the same time, like in order to get there, I would have to be a touring DJ for several years and have... Mm -hmm. And honestly, given like nominated for Grammys, and like given my uh, experience with producing, I would probably just have to pay someone to ghost produce. <laughs> well, you want to be the first. I know <laughs> it's the dirty little secret that's not really a, it's secret not even a secret
2: You know, I don't understand, but like just for tangent, real quick. Yeah, I've, I've entered into online battles per se, quote quotation mark battles of people being like ghost producer. This that's good, that's bad. I'm like, people need to give ghost producers their their credit and then people are like maybe people don't want the credit they just want to be unknown I'm like I don't care they're amazing what they do and they should get the credit for it or not the, like you know Claude von Schoick makes a track and then has help from someone else just have sub credits that say help from this guy you know I don't
1: think that's a bad thing at all I don't think anybody cares what'd you do you think what do you think about that I would have to agree um, I think a lot of times people will and it almost it seems like I think the biggest person I can ever put into perspective for that is Tiesto Tiesto and Armin. It's like, you'll hear a Tiesto song and you're like, Tiesto didn't fucking make that. There's no way he had the time to do that. He did not make that, but it has someone else's name on it. And so I think that like draw for a label Mm -hmm. allows you to like pull more clout for that Mm -hmm. song and get more downloads for it. More DJs will play it. And so like Mm -hmm. just having the name on there, I think can be important. Mm -hmm. So I think they do get some recognition in that way, Mm -hmm. but I think there are a lot of times, yeah, that the ghost producer gets nothing. Um, It's interesting though, because I know I've talked about on this podcast before that there are ghost producers who, like you said, don't want any recognition. So I think about like you talking about making cinematic scores, like the only way someone knows it's your cinematic score (laughs) is if they wait for the movie to end and and then sit and watch the credits that scroll by within three seconds. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you've gotten credit, but like. 99% 99% of the people don't give a shit mm-hmm. and you do it because you love
2: it and Plus if you do it well specifically in the context of cinema No one knows mm-hmm. like if I'm in the, if someone's in the room with me watching a movie I'll be pointing out like the, the Weird things you don't pay attention to and I'm like, oh you hear that theme and they're like, oh Brian you're ruining the movie They I'm feel like, it, but they don't hear <laughs> it you feel it and if you're doing it right You yeah. don't notice it because the music is not the reason for the for the movie yeah, and you know, that in itself is almost like ghost producing. (laughs) Wow. Full circle. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's an, it's, it's an interesting topic. There's some people like Matt Zoe that just like call it out super hard. Um, I don't really know. I, it's another one of those things that just is what it is and Mm -hmm. it's always going to exist. It always has existed in the music world. Um, I don't necessarily think it should be called out or banned or changed. Like people can have their public perception sure, of yeah. it, but I know that there are lots of people who like you mentioned, not wanting to go out that much. There are certain people who have serious anxiety. Like I know Dave does not like to go out much, but loves to hold himself in the studio and produce. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if that's your life and you just want to make a living sitting and making music, you don't want to go tour. You don't really want yeah. credit. I mean, I I do agree. Like a little like sub credit, like help with. I think yeah. that's a good idea because you need something. But there's some people if you can make ten thousand dollars for a song, right? And it took you. I, this is a a large estimate. Some people can bust them out in a day, but if it takes yeah. you five days to make a song and you make ten grand, and you make, you know, <laughs> great fifty songs <laughs> in a year, you just made five hundred grand. Oh, under the table, of course, right? <laughs> I mean, who knows? But like, it is interesting. I think the most blatant one in our world today is Fisher and Chris Lake. <laughs> oh my god! Like the whole, uh, Andrew with um, his, uh, Seattle tech house stuff. It's like, Chris Lake is my ghost producer. Did you, uh, do does it, do you know if Chris Lake
2: ended up going to noise complaint at all? Oh, because I don't know. There was this like joke of, uh, uh, Chris Lake should go to the show because then you can put on like Chris Lake is my ghost producer, or there's like the <laughs> Fisher is my ghost producer, or something like this, turn it around on him and then get him to take the picture. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that happened. That'd yeah. be hilarious. Yeah, I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Uh, so I went to, I, I played at Noise Complaint on Friday. Yeah, before and, Amtrak. Uh, before Amtrak. And that was the first noise complaint I'd been to in a while. And um, I mean, an example of the reason why. Um, I don't go out as often is because, like, it's not that I have anxiety. It's just that when there's, like, a lot of people in one place that I'm, like, already very familiar with, you know, I, I, like, want to listen to the music, but at the same time, I want to see my friends, and it's just really loud, and I haven't seen some friends. Like, even on Friday, I'd I'd always complain, there were some people I hadn't seen in, like, a year. Yeah. And it's just... I want to listen to my friend's play music cuz I haven't heard them DJ in a long time, but I'm also outside catching up with this person and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm here, happy to be here, but now I'm wanting to be multiple places at the same time. And it's just like a mental frenzy that I enter. Yeah. Which, you know, I I went out a lot, I met a lot of people, in, in, you know, in my, you know, my time here with Seattle, my short time ends. You know that in itself is like produced a sense of and like I don't know it's not really anxiety I don't know if this even resonates but it's just I want to listen to the music but at the same time like if I just go there and listen to music like no like, you know I'm just like ignoring a bunch of friends I haven't seen them forever and it's just like uh, I know. You know what do I do now I know
1: exactly what you mean it's tough that used to happen to me at Q I would go for Studio 44 and like see these artists that I was really down to see artists mm-hmm. that like make music that if you're there for it can really take you somewhere. But the majority of people that are there, they're like, Oh, this is kind of repetitive. Like this is good music, but it's like, yeah, it's techno. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's go outside and smoke a cigarette, like do whatever we're going to do outside of this area. And Mm -hmm. for me, I'm like sitting in the middle of the dance floor. Sometimes I like with my eyes closed, just (laughs) like, just lost because yeah. i'm like i just want to be here, here for this and people come up and like tap me on the shoulder hey jordan what's up and start trying to have a conversation with me and they're yelling in my ears and i have earplugs in <laughs> and like my this is a tangent but my earplugs they like kind of stick out a little bit the little uh, attenuator yeah. that sticks in it yeah. and so when people give me hugs and they like smash their face oh, against no, mine it hurt. pops no 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 but it pops the attenuator out oh. and it costs 50 bucks for each one of those little suckers and they're no clear way. and so they bounce around on the ground oh, and, you're and I'm like gone. oh my god I've lost like, like three of them it costs hug before. me <laughs> but I love to hug people yeah, yeah. I'm like the biggest hugger I-, I can be oh my gosh but it's just uh, again one of those things that yeah. there's all these things that you're like dude my anxiety is starting to just like get too much much. And I either have to be on like go mode of I'm here to socialize yes, or I'm here for the music. That's and it's hard to play that's the, the two.
2: That's the only way that I,
1: I have to make that decision before I go out what I'm there for. Yeah. And
2: that's the only way that I can survive.
1: Yeah. When does that change? Cause I mean, we're talking about our <laughs> early twenties and we would go out yeah. regularly with our friends and just party and have a good time. And then it's yeah. like after enough shows, you just get picky and well, I think I thought about this a lot because
2: um, I've definitely taken a step back in terms of my like level of involvement, my volunteership, as you as you would say, because you know this is local community. This is show up, be there, get your friends there, have a good time, be a positive influence, and you know, assume that there are other people just like you, bringing light, bringing positivity, and that attracts more radiance and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought about like, you know, in retrospect, what all of this is like, like now that I'm where I'm at, not going out as often as I, as I do. And you know, I got involved in some residencies with some events and I started going out, I got into the routine of life. That was a part of my life instead of it being new, instead of it being exciting, it actually entered routine. The routine of facebook promo the routine of showing up the routine of leaving early it started being less exciting and people call it burnout i don't know if it was burnout for me honestly but it it was quite get to burnout it wasn't quite burnout but it was it was like not fun and exciting in the way that it used to be Mm -hmm. and you know you turn wrap my head around like what could i have done differently and i'm like actually i think that was all supposed to happen the way it is because I'm where I am now and I, I know why I'm here now. I know why I go out. I know why I stay in, I'm much more conscious of the decisions that I make and it's because I let myself get into a pattern of, you know, my life going out and getting involved and realizing that maybe this, maybe this going out all the time and helping build a community in that specific way. Of th- helping you know throw events or just be part of events, maybe that's not my like main contribution to. To to the to like to the community. Whoa, whoa! Did you hear that? That was crazy. So uh, maybe <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, so and so I realized that instead of like you know instead of wondering of what you know what this looks like for me moving forward, I'm just like, you know. I'm grateful that I experienced what I experienced because, you know, I think my main contribution is just bringing music, my music, to whoever hears it, whether it's yellow or not. And as a result, like I'm not exactly, you know, I don't, I was I was asked to play um, a party recently, a DJ uh, party at Ornn Express. and. Uh, he's like, okay, so send me your sound link, sound link, uh, SoundCloud like whatever. The, send me your DJ stuff, bro. <laughs> you send me your piano and, and, EP. And, and <laughs> <laughs> Here's a picture of me on a piano. <laughs> oh, this is the wrong party, I guess. Uh, and um, he's like, send me your affiliations. And I was like, I, I actually, like, I don't have any. <laughs> You're a fills. I'm a, I'm I love a, that. <laughs> I'm a blank. You can just put. Be backs and just put my SoundCloud. <laughs> so
1: I've been in the same situation before. You're like, I don't have affiliations. I, and I'm also like totally okay with that. And so, how do you, has your confidence level or your like uh, self perception of who Brian Becker is, has that changed? given that yes definitely it has gone
2: down and it has definitely gone right back up it went down because i pulled back and i wasn't djing you know rupert god it's so funny his name is not rupert (laughs) rob rob (laughs) unknown question mark layer whatever (laughs) you're awesome by the way man uh so uh he posted on facebook something recently it was um, um you know just a thought that he had about being involved and getting opportunities you get opportunities because you give you know you can't just take and when you realize that you take like when you're taking and you're giving it's a happy medium you know you're giving taking yin yang when you stop giving as much as you used to but you still kind of start to assume the take you start to approach like a change in expectation versus a reality. And I had a hard check with that, not from what he said, but from my own thought process of what I've dealt with in the last year of my life, because, you know, I I wasn't getting gigs anymore, but it was because I wasn't contributing in the same way that I was in the past. And so as a result, when people ask me to play, like I'm very grateful for those opportunities because, you know, I'm actually just thought of as someone who could play their night. You know, I'm not – you know, I'm just, I'm way more grateful than I have ever been for, for gigs nowadays. And it's just because, you you know, I, I recognize that I am not like actively promoting, you know, the community at large. Um, but I've also grown very confident in the fact that like, I know what I'm doing now and I'm, you know, I'm here to write piano music. I'm, I'm here to teach piano lessons. I am here to, Pursue cinematic soundtrack in whatever capacity that is, you know, I've I feel very like grounded in those things But I would never have realized those having not gone through what I've been through with the DJ community It's it's been a really valuable lesson dude.
1: For real. (laughs) Yeah, that's that right there is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast because I feel like we're very similar in that regard We were both out there. We were both Mm -hmm. playing a ton of shows you get residencies at places, you start going out a bunch and you assume that your presence is doing a service to whoever's throwing the show. And in a way it is, it starts out that way. You go out you hang out, you show your support, but then it just becomes you're getting in free. Yeah. You're going there to maybe be there for a little bit. Maybe you invite a friend or Mm -hmm. two and, but then like you said, you start leaving early you start not being there. You start you know, start thinking that what you're there. giving is mm-hmm. more than what you're actually giving. Yes. And then in a way you start to be taking. Yes. And that's definitely how I felt. And you – super similar on my end of you are – you're not appreciative of the gigs that you're getting. You're wondering, why am I not getting more? Mm -hmm. And
2: you're like, why am I not getting that gig?
1: And you're kind of annoyed by it. Why did that dude get that gig? Where did this uh, kid come from? That's the worst mindset. And I totally have
2: felt that. And you know,
1: this kid's brand new. Where did he come from? Why Why is he now getting the slot above me? When like last week I was getting like the direct slot, like what happened? And you kind of get in this thought process. And I very much similar took it in a weird way. And Kind of had to take a full step back Mm -hmm. and I really almost eliminated my presence in Seattle just the same um, and took some time out. Yeah. And then would only go out to a few, you know, super specific things. Mm -hmm. It was great to see people. And then when I came back out, People appreciated me being back.
2: Yes, dude. I was just going to say that if you didn't say that.
1: Yep. And I wanted dude, to like, be there. It was there. good
2: to see you, man. Like, and I, I was, like, was happy to see you when I
1: saw you. Yep. <laughs> so that, so now I had this like refound energy behind it. Yeah. And then not only that, there's totally new crews that are in town <laughs> doing things. Yes. And so then you meet these guys who are like, oh, wait, you actually like have done this before. Like, all right, let's give you a try. And then you're like, okay, now I'm super grateful for this gig. Yep. And then you go out there and you're like, trying your best because you're like, I want to have a good time, and yep. you're totally fine with the opening slot.
2: Yep. You know, also to that end, uh, when I'm asked to play shows now, I, uh, you know. Op- On top of being like, wow, dude, like, thank you. Like, I, wow. Like, when Jonathan Katz and Mark Martinez were like, hey, do you wanna open for Amtrak? I was like, are you, yes, (laughs) like 100%. And I was like, wow, dude, I I barely even go out. So um, I I now don't DJ as much. And so I could have put like way more effort
1: into whatever time slot that it is that I'm playing. And it's you can like, also put your promotion isn't like just way more fun again. in a nonsense of like, I'm promoting yeah. a show every other week. It's like, no, I got a show yeah. and I'm excited about it. Yeah. And my excitement is going to show through my promotion. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to actually invite my you, friends to it yep. instead of just getting to like, oh, this is another show. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to invite them to it because it really doesn't fit exactly yeah. what I want to be. And plus, like
2: I've already invited them to like a million other shows. I should take a break from <laughs> so inviting them. But I'm having so much fun. DJing again because, you know, I have a few shows coming up and like I am so excited to play them because it feels like I haven't DJed in a while. And I know that's not Mm -hmm. true, but like relative to my own personal experience, like, yeah, man, I am super jazzed to play some of these parts. Like for Amtrak, I haven't been so excited to DJ maybe ever <laughs> maybe i think the first time i played a cue, i was like excited but also very <laughs> nervous So nervous! oh my gosh i, I just played so a cue
1: again for my first time in uh over three years yeah yeah that and was uh was, justin martin wasn't it uh no um oh, justin, justin J. J. oh ooh. but i was super nervous <laughs> yeah yeah and like i normally have like a drink or two before my set and yeah. i'm on this sober kick right now yeah and so um which was kind of inspired by Mark Martinez, and I had I, I threw a party and went to get him a drink, and he's like, "No, I'm good, just a Red Bull." I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm totally sober." And I was like, "I need to fucking do this." Like yeah. I'm doing it. Uh, so that's my own little personal you, kick. You, but you, so I was like, "Sleep better." You feel I was so nervous better, yeah. before going up though, and like I don't know, it was it was a little hectic. But that same idea because you're like, I'm nervous. I'm back at this place. Like mm-hmm. there's so many expectations. Yeah, yeah. It's, I totally feel it's you. It's a lot. I totally feel you. Uh,
2: you know, uh, one one thing that I've really been conscious of as of late, especially with performance or whatnot, was like realizing what being present is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not necessarily uh, just DJing, but, you know, I can call back to that because it's like performance-based and, you know, being present and not letting my mind wander somewhere else. Or if I'm at work being present and not being distracted because Facebook is one, you know, one (laughs) swipe away or, uh, you know, a coffee break is just down the hallway or not. What not? Like this whole realization of like every single thing that I do, I should do with a sense of, you know, what, what what was the word there? Like, uh, with the sense of, uh, like I'm doing this, like I, I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to be here. I'm, and if I'm going to go take a break, I'm going to go take a break. And you're going to be content in the moment. Yeah. And so like getting ready for DJ gigs, even, uh, produce, I think maybe producing has helped with that because when you're in the studio and you're, it's just you, like, it's just me. I'll just look at that computer screen for like two and a half hours. <laughs> and then I'll take a break and be like, wow, I accomplished a lot because I wasn't on my phone. Yeah. I wasn't talking to anyone else. I was just making decisions after decisions after decisions of how to high pass this, you know, or, you know, whatever to put that violin or whatever. And I think that sort of mentality has bled into a lot of the other things that I've done, which in a way like has, has like I don't know, maybe, you know, everything kind of bleeds into each other. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I, th- I think that, um, you know, this sense of I'm producing a lot more and I'm spending a lot of time just being really focused. I think that sense of focus is something that I've been practicing unconsciously, but now I feel more productive at work. You know, I've been running a little bit more, and uh, you know, I just feel so much more present without necessarily like audibly saying. I think this is the first time I've said this yeah. in a long time, but it's just like a a mentality switch, which I I, I wasn't when I was a resident at like three places.
1: Yeah. It, it, in those moments you originally, I guess in, back in the day when we're talking about being a resident, it's like you, you felt like there was this expectation. Yeah. You always wanted to be somewhere else. You always wanted to, to be with that group or to be in the know with that crew yeah. or to be that guy. And it's like, I was always plotting. Always now I go with thing. this like contentment of like, Oh, I'm just good to go out. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know if it's cause like there's newer crews. Like it's just, I feel like there's this shift in Seattle and I'm sure a lot of it's like a shift in us, but at the same time there feels like this different shift. If I go out and there's just like an infinite amount of love of these people that I meet out that I hang out with that I'm like, dude, I didn't feel this two years ago. I totally agree. Is is it my switch? Is it Seattle's switch? I'm sure it's some of both, but like, well, you know, uh,
2: One thing that I've thought about, um, I've seen it too, by the way, one thing I've thought about is, um, there are some really phenomenal people that run parties here that, you know, they have their own small tit, not like tight knit group of people that are also equally as bright as them. And, you know, over time, equally radiant people bring out the best in the people that they're around. And that is a time factor, you know? And so we're a little more radiant. And so I feel like more people (laughs) that they meet at work or whatnot that get involved or maybe someone who was already going to Monkey Loft all the time. But because this one new person got involved, they got to know that one person and is now more involved than they have been before. And as a result, that one person who just got to know that promoter brings a new sense of light. That has invited their own three other friends to come to Monkey Loft a lot more and you know I I I really feel like there are a lot more direct connections that have been happening in the last two years that have really Brought like a shift a noticeable shift in terms of just inclusivity uh, Opportunities being provided to people just in terms of Going to events or DJing events or being involved as like a decorator or a promoter or whatnot. There's I mean, dude, I remember back when I started like years ago, th- totally not like this. Yeah. And I mean, people say like years and years and years ago before our time, it was totally nothing like this and I'm like, yeah, that's I get it's in a good direction, you know, and I feel like you can you can look at some of the bigger names of of the city of Seattle um like like the Sean Majors type people, the, uh, like the Michelle, Michelle Ferris, the Carl Kamikahi, like, uh, there are a bunch of people that have been around for a long time. And those people are just
1: incredibly positive, wonderful people. So I was talking with Mark a bit about this because we got into kind of similar topics. He came here two years ago out of nowhere and had no idea what the scene was like. Yeah. And he just kind of did his thing, which was spread love and positivity, All right? which I think Seattle was itching for mm-hmm. because Seattle started that way. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, I, we'll just use money to use super broad terms, but like the money came through
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the EDM bubble, which never popped. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever popping, <laughs> but uh, it was at a prime. I mean, you could call it like um, like Bitcoin where it was just like constantly rising and everyone yeah. was hopping on board. And I yeah. think, it created some power struggle dynamics in Seattle that created some clicks. Yeah. Some us versus you. Mm -hmm. And even the people that didn't want it to be us versus you were getting attacked from the outside and therefore had to put defenses up. Yes. And so it was kind of, and I think that was right um, when you and I were like coming in was right as that was becoming a thing. And then I think it really came to a head at the time you and I both kind of backed out and we were like, I, I can't be a part of this too much. And then it's all kind of diffused and gone its own ways. A lot of the, I think the power struggles have disappeared. There's some recent big things like with foundation that have ruffled some feathers and caused mm-hmm. some changes, but I, I don't feel that anymore. Seattle yeah. doesn't feel competitive. The, the group I that agree. we hang out with feels all like they're super amazing individuals who want to share this music mm-hmm. and love, and it, and it's not it's not just the that. new blood. Like you mentioned, Sean and like the Lost Boys, like Wesley and Eric, and like those guys that have been here forever. They just do their twenty year anniversary. Yeah. Lost, like what? Yeah, but they're the ones throwing the cruise. But now they're also the ones that are still in this scene, being a part of this, like new changed scene I feel like that we've come to really yeah. love and that power dynamic feels to have just kind of like gone away and it's it's nice to be back in a feeling where everyone's inclusive and everybody wants everyone to succeed Yeah, and like I know Facebook's a weird thing but one thing that I loved <laughs> so weird. was seeing I think it was Darius that just made a post on Facebook. It was like Brian Becker appreciation dude, post dude. Oh and like my God, Darius,
2: I love you. Man. 50 plus
1: people yeah, all commented, man, dude, including was... like Sean majors and everyone else being like, Oh yeah, he's amazing. And Darius even had like uh piano keys yeah. in his posts. And so that's why I started with like, you've become known as kind of the piano guy.
2: Okay. So, uh, I have, I've met Darius like a number of times and we've, we've, you know, chatted like one sentence here and there throughout years. Yeah and god what party was it he dj'd monkey dj it was like a daytime party i forget oh it yeah a, it was recently do you remember the name of the party
1: no but i i saw you there
2: um yeah and i was wearing like a sequin vest yeah that was darius's so that was the first time i was ever able i had like an extended hangout with him and previous yeah. to that like i never knew him uh-huh. and dude it's so wonderful to finally like get a chance to meet people that you've known but you don't know and you know the total treat was, like, total organic, like, friendship was just made. And, I mean, it's, dude, it was it was a great, great time to, like, meet someone. I'm like, and also, you know, you look up to these people. I look yeah. up to Darius because, wow, man, you've accomplished a lot. Like, you are a source of, like, positivity and you've held a lot of responsibility, like – Wow! Like when I think of you, I think of USC, and I think of like like you did a lot of things for USC and have a lot of influence. And I just met you, and like I didn't think about any of that. Like I was just like, "Wow, this is one cool guy!" Like I, you know, it was just such an organic way to get to know someone. And you know, that's also why Facebook is really bad because it like (laughs) makes you makes you think, you know, differently because you're just looking at other people you know, with a different lens. And then when you meet them in real life, you're like, Oh, like you're, you're literally just like me. Like you're a weirdo. Just like I am. <laughs>
1: and I'm weird. <laughs> so there's a saying in Still yoga. That's back. like the light in me sees and honors the light in you. One of the things we love to say is the weirdness in me sees and honors the weirdness <laughs> in you. Cause everybody's just weird. Everyone's so weird, dude. But Darius Dar- <laughs> is definitely like one of my all time greats. One of, one of my yeah. idols. He's I I didn't know man. that he um, uh,
2: decorated as much as he did, oh, yeah. and so he showed me like all the, like a bunch of the vests and the clothes that he's made. And dude, it blew me away. I remember he's I so I saw that I saw the vest that I I, I wore to Markulov earlier that day. I saw it and I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. And I put it on. Like the minute I put it on, he's like, oh, you're wearing that. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. playing it. Okay, totally. And then I wore it and I was like, this best has become me. Yeah, <laughs> I've become the best. I don't know which way you say so that. So
1: two years ago, <laughs> three Burning Mans ago, uh, we went to Burning Man with Darius. Yeah. And uh, we drove an RV down, which is a fucking disaster. Um, I won't get into that. But Darius brought like three or four different bins of clothes and like trash bags full of like teddy bears and pillows. Like Darius brought so much gear and like in each of these giant Tupperware bins was just like outfits. (laughs) (laughs) He brought his own tent that for no one to sleep in, it's just an outfit change tent.
3: (laughs) It was so great.
1: So yeah, Darius has tons of good outfits and it yeah, was like oh uh, gosh. It was like two, three weeks ago he came over because he had a bunch of them still here and that vest you were wearing yeah. was sitting at my house yeah. for two years oh in a gosh, bin and he finally so came and got it and washed it all. <laughs> Wait, do I have that? No, no, no. I get back to it. <laughs> like, right. But it's, it's been cool uh, that exact same feeling that you're feeling. Um, I've felt that connection a lot more now. I've felt an more of an openness yeah. for people who have been in it for a minute mm-hmm. and have had to put up their guards and to yes. watch those guards in some way or another slowly start to dissolve. Yeah. And you see that light coming out from them Yeah, that you always kind of looked up to them for a reason, but you weren't really yeah. totally sure why like cool. They threw parties. They were in charge of something. Yeah. But back in the day, that was almost the only reason yeah. it's like, I only want to know him because he is popular and that might get me another gig. And now it's like, I really don't give a shit. Like, cool. I would love to play some gigs. Like give me some gigs and I will play, but I will only play because I like your night and you bring good vibes and I'm down to do it, but I'm not out there like hounding people for gigs. Like here's my SoundCloud link. Like follow me, like uh, book me, please. And that's kind of how it felt like things were almost having to start to get to like, I had to ask for gigs too much. And now it's like, I don't want to hound you for gigs. Like Mm -hmm. if you think I'll fit your night, I would love to come out, but I'm also not going to come out every single weekend. I can't support every single show. There's a Mm -hmm. million shows going on. I'll maybe go through little bursts of where I'll come out and see a decent amount of stuff. But like that means when I do come out, I'm present. Mm -hmm. and i'm in it and i'm here because i want to be a part of what you have going on and i want to support and instead of just messaging everyone for guest list you're like no i'm gonna come and support because i'm not going out every single weekend so and if i'm not drinking too i can afford to pay 20 bucks to come on see I've,
2: i've also started paying cover again uh and it's it's because like dude i'm not promoting your night and i know that we're like tight homies and even these same guys are like dude I, I showed up to the event like, dude, you could have just asked me for guest list. I was like, dude, I'm not promoting your night. I haven't posted an event that isn't related to me DJing. And I'll say this right to him. And I'm like, I'm I'm paying. Like, there's, thank you for telling me the next time I can ask you for guest list. But like, guest list is not like an, I'm going to pay. It's
1: $10. Like, <laughs> yeah. and Seattle's got a cool okay. environment around I'll there. Pay. But that's kind of what we said is like. Yeah, it's it's fine. Most things are, you know, they they're not making their money off the door. They're making their money by bar sales and whatnot. And the door definitely helps for a lot of situations. But they're willing to give out guest lists. Mm-hmm. But if you get to that point of feeling entitled, mm-hmm. which I've been there before, of yeah, feeling I like, to. then you're not there for the right reasons, yep. and you're not you're not there to support your friends. You're almost in this idea of like, oh well, my presence here is supportive for you and yeah. it's helpful enough for you that i should get free entry yeah, like, yeah this backing
2: away thing was a huge gut check for me to get like my mind right again it's it's embarrassing honestly to think back at how quickly my young mind i mean dude i was involved for like only a few years yeah. and like i was thinking things that i shouldn't have been thinking or making assumptions or having expectations that i did not need to be having and it, it took stepping back to just refocus.
1: Yeah. And you're not conscious of those in the you're moment not at all. It's and just, it's embarrassing how fast it catches up with you, yep, man. A little and bit, bit like, of growth you, run and you, away and you look at it and you're like, wow. okay, now I can really start to, to see it from a different perspective. But when you're in that perspective, mm-hmm. I would never say that I was entitled. I was like, dude, I'm coming out and supporting these nights yeah. regularly. Like... It's worth it but now that I look back I'm like oh yeah that's kind of kind of I okay. kind of <laughs> ran away with that <laughs> a little
2: bit a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah but it's uh it's a, it's a good crew going on right now and I feel like there's a a good vibe of music like like you were kind of mentioning like music isn't quite the same these days like it was before um but I think it's still there in its own niches and things feel so specific nowadays um like the tech house scene is super popular can in seattle little,
2: can we get a le- less tech house <laughs>
1: like i realize it's really cool
2: but can we can we have a non-tech house I maybe it's crazy <laughs> if this is my one moment to like stand up on the soapbox I'm like can we have a less tech house in seattle please everyone
1: is saying that it's just a little bit it's all good we love tech house maybe a little bit less though and that's kind of <laughs> usually what happens is you get you get something until you're force-fed it and you're like i'm so sick of this for things to actually fully change i don't know but there's a lot of cool offerings of, yes. of a lot of good other stuff that i think pe- people are hearing you and there's a lot of techno stuff that's around and i mean that mm-hmm. amtrak i'm sure that wasn't too much tech house there's probably much no much more on the uh, house was,
2: side. Uh, actually amtrak Played a lot of different music like a lot of different music which i loved and i've started to personally move away from like describing genres because like it doesn't <laughs> really matter and um when you ask someone who you know is just joe schmo huh, what, what does it sound like to you I like to think that way when I describe my own music too, or any like DJ music or anything I'm listening to because tech house versus like funk house, which is like deep house or like progressive tech or I don't melodic techno or you know, like a dungeon bird, bird guy in techno. <laughs> now I'm just making shit up, but they're, uh, you know, just describe how it makes you feel. And like, that's it for me. Interesting. And, uh, I I definitely feel like there's a lot of different um, artists that are getting like lots of different opportunities to play different forms of music. And I think especially now the DJs that are younger than you and I, that are super active right now, they are getting gigs that are diversifying them. Like I'm seeing like, the God, I shouldn't even say like the young kids these days (laughs) because I'm still very young so (laughs) we're not
1: even 30 these
2: young kids out there just (laughs) chopping up the block crushing it (laughs) which by the way they these like I my hat's off to these kids like they go off and they they have professional lives Mm -hmm. that make their income and they DJ a ton and I'm like I once I once did that I did I actually don't think I DJed as much as you but you Mm -hmm. guys are doing a great job but they're getting gigs that are pushing them in different directions and You know, maybe it's over exaggerated as Facebook promotional posts of them being like, I'm reinventing myself here. But I honestly think that there is truth in most of the things that people say when they're promoting stuff like this. And I mean, I've been watching some of these young guys and like they're playing gigs that I it would have pushed me. Yeah. And like, you know, to go play a bass night and then go play, like, some disco night and then go play a silent disco, like, as a sunset. You know, like, there's three different, right there, that's, like, mm-hmm. three different sets. And some of these DJs are doing that in one weekend. And in order to do that, you know, you, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. people don't realize, like, how much how much music you have to go through just to... <laughs> able to not sound stale as a dj you yeah. play that much
1: do you feel like uh djing weddings has helped you <laughs> in any of oh, your yeah. actual yes. dj 100 100 yeah okay
2: so when i first started djing weddings which was like years ago um i used to get really uncomfortable when the dance floor was empty but now i've understood the flow of a dance floor for a wedding which has totally moved across into djing clubs Because it's the flow of the night. You understand why people are leaving. You understand the context of the music that's being played. What you're gonna play next. It's not because the music sucks. It's not because the music sucks. It's because you know everything else except that. Like if you're playing that night, your music is, you know, it's great. Like it's you know you're making good decisions. You're you're asked to play because you have good taste in music, whatnot. But with weddings, like, I play a lot of the hits but these are like across the decades. And so the first, like I play like program sets sometimes during some weddings. And then like the last half of the dance floor is usually, you know, like free ball in it. Cause it really depends on the group of people that are there, but the first like 45 minutes are always like <laughs> Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson, Prince, Mariah Carey, uh, Whitney Houston, you know, like, The the, the songs that everyone wants to all the timeless hits, but then there comes a point when you want to make sure that everyone's still having fun, so you need to play music for people that are a little bit older. You need to um, um, play like a Johnny Cash tune or something like that, and um, play like one or two songs, and then just go. Like I'll go right into like some heavy hip hop song, or like go right into Snoop Dogg, because the you know the people that have been you know around for longer, like the elderly people they'll just go sit down and have a great time listening and watching everyone else dance. Yeah. And that used to make me like nervous back in the day. Cause I'm like, Oh, the old, like the older people are not enjoying themselves. I'm doing a terrible job of DJing. But I'm like, no, actually they, you know, I gave them like three, three songs and like, you know, I, I I see them wanting to, you know, go sit down. So, you know, let's go play music for the younger kids now. And then 45 minutes later, I'll come back and to like the seventies or something. And, Dude, it's incredible to see like the dance floor just fill up again
1: because everyone's got their rest, everyone's gotten a drink. You know, so how really, do you come bring back that to it? into like the nightclub world when you've got a one hour set versus four and a half hours as a DJ? I've, I've got a lot more patience
2: um, with like the the general swells because if you if if you look at DJing an hour long set. Um, mathematically, for a moment, like on a graph, you can look at like a sine wave or a, a you know, like it, there's a big swell up, there's a swell down underneath, and then you come back down to ground zero. And if you like flip it so that you actually go down below and then you go up above everything, then you Hump back down onto zero. Uh, I like to think of my sets as like that sometimes But I just want to play 60 Minutes of Tech House Bangers Yeah, but like you're, <laughs> The actual banger The one that you love the most If you want that to be received the best You have to like really think about the songs you're playing before that You know what I mean? And you know I When I, when I look at like a, a set list Of songs I'm trying to play I try to think about like okay If this is the one song that I want to be like the dopest song, I need to make sure I don't play anything above that. Or if I do space it out by like 20 minutes or even longer, or just be okay with not playing some songs. You know, just if I end up not playing the song, I don't I end up not playing that song. But I like to look at sex, sets, sets mathematically and that patience factor that I've gotten from weddings and understanding that people come and go, but like my set still needs to have some sort of flow to it that I decide not really before actually it's like a mix like you go in understanding what you want to play but then when you start playing have you ever had gigs where you like i know what i'm going to play and then you get there and you're like well i guess that's out the window (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll play something way different (laughs) and uh that's 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 all fun and everything but it, it it keeps me on my toes thinking about like where am i at within the context of my own set and where am i trying to go next and as a result like Literally, I've said it like a couple times already. I'm like, broken record, but like my patience factor has increased. Thank you, weddings. Because without weddings, I would not have the opportunity to see dance floors empty and fill up again. Yeah. And to know that it's not the music, it's the fact that we're here for
1: three hours. It's yeah. okay. Go take a break. You know, go sit down. <laughs> yeah. And for shows, I mean, if the show starts at 10 and ends at 2, you're at that show for four hours. Um, what's your thought on hour-long sets? Um, <laughs>
2: it's, like, super political, <laughs> in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I would honestly say one-hour sets need to... St- I feel bad. Like, right? (laughs) One hour sets need to stop 100% of the time, but I know that why they need, I know why they need to go. And it's because you need to have
1: more DJs. Think about how many DJs there are that already fill slots and how Mm -hmm. competitive it already is. Now imagine if half of those gigs went away. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's about attendance. It's
2: about success of the party. Um, If you go to soft option or if you go to, um, I mean, I'm really familiar with like the house community, so I can name those parties. But there are like really successful parties and they could honestly have a successful party if they just all of a sudden started only doing two hour long sets and they had like only a few DJs play cuz they're established and that's fine. Yeah. But for everyone else you need to have as many DJs play as possible. Yeah. And so hour long sets make total sense because you know, sure it's about art, but it's also about being able to play art in a capacity one year down the road from now. And in order to do that, you need to play an hour long set.
1: Yeah. Every single time. Well, that's definitely one thing that I'll throw out onto this podcast. I would love to play a two plus hour set (laughs) at a nightclub to be able to or like wherever it is, but to be able to like take a journey. Cause like, I'm, I'm really about the journey as a yoga teacher. My whole point of a class isn't to get you a workout. My point of that class is to take you on a journey and I'm using my words and physical flow to get you there. But like my DJ sets, like I try to do the same thing. Like, yeah, there are some sets where like you just want to go out and play 60 minutes of tech house bangers because the crowd's just eating it up. And the previous DJ did something similar and people are fired up about it. But like there are other times where I'm like, no, I want to, take you somewhere and like especially with like techno music or like more progressive end of stuff I Mm -hmm. call it techno but it's like melodic techno or progressive or whatever that's what I played at Underground last
2: oh I was I wanted to ask you and we had moved so far away from that I was like let's go back so what type of music is this that you played at Rachel because you said that this is something that you you haven't been able to play very much but this is something you've been passionate about so like
1: what's an example of something that you played Uh, so again we were just talking about genres of like you know I can throw out a bunch of fucking words like vibes or like so tempo is uh the tracks i was playing uh were like 122 to 125 um more along the lines of techno with like heavy growly crunchier bass lines okay but also like melodic progressive beautiful sounds interspersed and so that like i try to do the juxtaposition between like more like airy, um, lighter, but still, you know, techno baseline. Sure. So it's so not really that airy and light, but in the context of the music, airier and lighter. And then get into a song that was much like dirtier and mm-hmm. like deep, like so. Is ooh. it like uh,
2: Is it like groovy and feely at the same time, or is it like more? base like base crunchy or yeah i should probably i should just look your track list
1: up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i put out like a, a stranger things mix uh last year <laughs> i i vaguely remember listening to that yeah as... it's a two plus hour is it two plus hour
2: was that only i think it's ago? slightly
1: under yeah how does that
2: feel like it was, was last fall
1: ago. and oh uh God. season two of stranger things had just come out and Kristoff, you know christoph yeah, I went and saw a show at the Underground. Yeah, I was there too. It's I was going to say I, I don't don't we were there at the anything. same show. I opened for him. And I was going to say oh, when no, I asked I, was, you, I saw you. Cuz
2: didn't Connor No, no, who played before him? Uh Fouad. Oh, yeah. I I remember I saw I was yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah. I saw you open and you had like this huge smile
1: on your face as you do. When I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, yeah, I, Christoph had a couple songs on his EP, that, and the EP was based off Stranger Things. And so, like, I played a couple of his songs in there, and I kind of tried to fit that vibe. Yeah. So if you if you listen to that, that was a style okay. that was quite similar to what I played here. Obviously very different. I didn't play mm-hmm. any of those songs. It's a year later. I have so much other music. But that's the reason I put out that mix. It was because I have never had the chance to play out this, like, beautiful, but also, like, yeah. dark and weird and, like, heavy yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. And so, that was tough to play an hour long set. Uh, yeah, totally. immediately Hell after yeah. some deep house to like <laughs> oxy music. <laughs> yeah, and well, what was beautiful? I have never Dude. been left at 118 BPMs in my entire Dude, life. I i was like okay (laughs) we are here yes i was like Um, i can do this yeah i
2: know isn't it great (laughs) normally it's like
1: the guy before me is like whoa you're at 125 and i played from 9 to 10 and i'm like are you like okay
2: like is this do you play at 126 normally
1: (laughs) well that's what the bpms of the songs
2: are so all right oh my god that's so funny yeah um there's been a couple times where i've like come up to the decks. where uh like the dj is like a little bit younger than i am and like you know the the music is like fine but i'm like it just feels really fast and i look up and it's like 128 and i'm like dude it's 10 p.m like what are we doing let me just bring that down like you know it's just like do you bring it down slowly or do you bring it down like really quickly (laughs) (laughs) i don't know because it's like i'm never gonna play anything like I, i don't think i would ever play anything that quickly yeah ever No, but that's also super. I would when I was twenty two.
1: But when we played that big room stuff I used to play it was all one (laughs) twenty eight. life moves at 128 beats per minute dude i've been wanting to watch that
2: movie again i've never seen it you actually saw it (laughs) yeah dude like of course i saw that movie i mean like people people like to hate on all these things in life and i'm like well why is that why does everyone hate on it i'm gonna go watch it and i watched it and like yeah it was a pretty lame movie (laughs) but like dude i mean i'm a sucker for lame movies and it was also pretty dope because zach efron is like some nobody right and I'm a nobody. And all it takes is meeting one person. And all it took was Zach Efron meeting one person. And that one person happened to be his gateway into another, another opportunity. That opportunity happened to be a huge opportunity that is borderline unrealistic. But that's <laughs> not, you know, that's life right there. Yeah. You, know? you you meet one person on the airport, that could change your life. Yeah. You know, and it's it's That movie is based around like that, you know, you meet one person changes your life. But I mean, he grew as a producer. I think it was um, he was making music, but this guy pushed him to make music actually for himself. And so I remember the previews showing that he was like going around, like recording a bunch of things in his house and it made it look really tacky. But in the context of the movie, it was actually really phenomenal because maybe I was looking at it from like a very personal lens because he was no longer making music because it was cool he was making music that was meaningful to him and i mean a part of my release from the my, my ep today was like i'm reconnecting with myself and honestly to thine own self be true you know that these types of sayings like it the more you know yourself the better you are to yourself the brighter you are for everyone else and so go ahead zach efron go make your own music and go play 128 beats per minute. (laughs) Because the more true you are to yourself, the more everyone's going to, you know, whatever, you know, they're going to want to listen to your music. They're going to want to be around you. The right people are going to be around you. And so I I guess I'm romanticizing the movie, but
1: you know, at the same time, like it's also a movie about DJ. And so lots of movies have that theme. I remember I'll take one specific instance. as. Granted, I was really high on an edible, but I watched, um, what was it? The, uh, oh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. It's like the, uh, the Dr. Seuss movie about the, the like creature in the trees. Oh, he like tries to save the trees from being cut down. Oh, that I was sounds gonna like say a wonderful. S- movie. I was, was going to say Snorlax, but I'm like, that's a Pokemon. Like the, um,. <laughs>
2: God, I don't it's remember. like right there. What is that? Um, um ugh, Don't you ever hate well, it when you're like <laughs> when you're thinking of something
1: and it's like the more you look for it, the farther yeah, away it is. That's how I feel right now too. So uh, anyway, but yeah. so the idea is like there's lots of movies that are out so there that hilarious. that give that context of like making you feel I, I don't know, feel something. And, yes. and the argument would be that if, if your if a sixteen year old boy goes and watches this show about DJing because he thinks DJing is cool and then comes to realize like, oh, this is this movie is about being authentic to your true self. Like that I think is one of the most powerful things to teach. Mm-hmm. We teach that in our yoga classes all yep. the time. Like be authentic to yourself yep. and that's the way to be successful and happy yep. and there's a, a wise man once told me his name is Alano.
2: He actually <laughs> he is a wise man, he that's actually quote um, sure. he quote unquote like discovered me. Um in terms of I was playing a house party, yeah, like my friend's house party, yeah. and uh, he was like, hey, can I play? And I was like, do you even know how to DJ? And he proceeds to just crush it. And <laughs> like, we played together for a while, and then he, he introduced me to some people to get a gig or whatnot. And um, he said, uh, play your own music your way, and you're going to get the right gigs for yourself. And in that sense, don't worry about playing other people's music. Just
1: play your own thing. Just, just play your own music. Yeah. Well, Hello. We just had Antonella walk in the room. She's gonna join us really quick.
0: Um, yeah, we're
1: just something really good. yeah, we're having a great discussion. Um, but
2: I mean, the thing that Alan has told me, uh, or I guess I don't know, he didn't necessarily tell me. I think he told Facebook, and I was like, "You are so right, Alan." You know, and it's not even like a lot of these things with music don't necessarily apply just the music it's like if you're doing something and it's art related or it's performance based like don't don't spend any time doing this for anyone else but yourself do this just for yourself and if it's performance based go and network and go get to know people and get familiar with what people are doing to perform so that you can kind of if you need to, like, kind of play into that style, but you still always need to be true to yourself because if you don't, you're just going to lose it. You're going to lose it all, and it's going to be gone. And you're going to have to, like, leave all the way and then come back before you find it again. And I don't want to lose that with with music. I don't want to lose that with DJing. And, you know, in a sense, you know, it's it's really exciting to play a bunch of, random seemingly random gigs when you're just in the height of it all but you know it's also really important to realize that like you should just treat those as learning experiences because then you learn more about music but you always need to come back to the sounds that you know you love the most because then you're always going to improve and be a better I guess in this context a better DJ because you're going to tell a better story because you're going to know your own sound that much more you're going to be able to tell your story and yeah that kind of all comes from Alan O and his ridiculously amazing <laughs> philosophies about life. <laughs> he,
1: he is kind of a, a, a guru beyond his totally years a in his guru. own way. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely extremely true and holds a lot of truth for me as well of, you know, we talked about years ago, playing sets that like you're playing them because you got booked for them because you're a resident at the night, mm-hmm. not because you care to be there, not because yep. you're like really interested. Like it yep. was the hard thing for me. I've talked about it several times on here, but I was like raised as an opener DJ. Like how do I fit that time slot perfectly to line up the DJ yep. after me? Yep. And now talking to people like Mark Martinez, who uh, like I said, came two years ago and just kind of threw shit on its head in Seattle. Uh, was like saying the same thing. Like, dude, you got to just go up there and play you mm-hmm. go up there and play the music you want to play because that's how your energy is going to shine through. Yep. Otherwise you're not shining to the same extent and mm-hmm. it shows when you're up there. And there's a difference between having a, a down moment where the crowd kind of empties out and whatnot because you crafted that and you gave people a break mm-hmm. versus like, because if, if, if you're still up there during that time that the crowd's taking a break and you're still loving that song, even though it's not that same high level intensity as the track before you're it. are like singing along to it. P- yeah, <laughs> yep. people are still feeling it and they're yep. vibing to it and then mm-hmm. they come back and rather than just like all the time of just intensity. Yep.
2: Yeah. And as long as you're crafting that story and you know why you're doing what you're doing, you know, that's, that's honestly what it all, that's what it's all about. <laughs>
0: Well, and you can try to decide what you think they want to hear or mm-hmm. what you think they think the experience should be, but you don't fucking know. You, yeah. you really don't. So the best you can do is just give them a creative expression of you yep. and take them for a ride and just like anything, I mean, if you're teaching piano or teaching yoga, like Yeah. they might be into you, they might drive with you, they might show up to every thing you ever do or they might be like "Eh, Mm that's all right it wasn't my thing like those aren't your people anyway yeah do you and the right people will come and see you and be excited and they're gonna want to come back for more Mm -hmm. but if you're like maybe giving them what you think they might want like that doesn't really service anybody yeah definitely not yourself totally
2: reminds me of when i first started teaching piano lessons it was really intimidating and like how does how does one who's played an instrument for like I played th- I played piano for 13 years. How do you teach someone how to do this now? And I I went and bought a bunch of books and started teaching by the book. And like I wasn't in it and it showed with like the couple students that I had and I just was like screw it, we're doing this my way. And so I just started teaching piano exactly my way, which is unorthodox it's not classical but it's how I'm gonna teach the piano so if I'm gonna teach someone how to play the piano I'm gonna teach them how I'm gonna play it my way and as a result I feel like you know at least we're having more fun you yeah. know whether I, th- I think the students are you know it's it's hard to tell because it's like a long journey of learning how to play an instrument but I'm excited about the lesson and as a result, usually, like, the people that, like, the students are, are much more excited too.
0: Have you noticed, since you've gotten into that teaching headspace, have you noticed that your mastery of that has increased? So, not of teaching, but of your of your Good piano question. practice.
2: Um, so, my return to uh, the, the basic fundamentals of playing piano, your scales, teaching them how to play scales, that... Didn't teach me as much as I actually thought it was gonna. Cause I thought about this exactly, but as my students got started getting better, we're now like one year in, or you know, like we're, I'm teaching some other students that are a little bit older. We're talking about concepts that are, you know, we're talking about triads, irregular triads, or you know, harmonies that don't exactly align, but they sound cool. Now this is where I start to think about things that I wasn't thinking about, and you know, I, it's it's all theory, or it's it's all something that we've we've I've learned before, but. You know, now that I'm like rehashing it with someone else, this is where I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm supposed to be the teacher and I'm here learning something with you right Mm -hmm. now. We're both learning today here at the Sussan. So I (laughs) think to
0: (laughs) teach is to master. And that's the difference between taking somebody through uh, a sequence, whether it's like this is how you're supposed to learn piano, this is how you're supposed to learn yoga, whatever Mm -hmm. the the teaching practice is. The difference between taking through – somebody as an instructor versus genuinely teaching from the space that is you, mm-hmm. that's when you master. I mean, I, I'm just showing up here cause I was running our teacher training tonight. And every time I sit in front of them and give them a piece of this practice that's been in my life for 20 years, mm-hmm. every time I like authentically dive in and give them a piece of that, I learn more and more from them, but also from the experience of like, Wanting to be better for them and wanting to...
2: Yeah, that like, specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then when they when they do start to advance and they do ask the questions, like today there were a couple questions that got asked that I didn't know the answer to. And I was like, let's look that up. Let's yeah. Google it right now. Let's find it out. And yeah, it's like little totally. simple things like, Jordan, you'll love it. Stella asked is there a full Matsyandrasana? Because we we're in Arta Matsyandrasana, which is like a, a twisting pose. And I was like, Half fishes." a good question. And I looked it up and there is, but nobody ever teaches it. So I didn't even know that was a pose. And so huh. I learned something. I was like, thank you, Stella. <laughs> but as a teacher, yeah. I could have easily been like, oh no, that's not a thing yep. because I wasn't taught it. Or I could have said, "Uh, I don't know. We'll check mm-hmm. it out later. But I was like, oh yeah, let's check that out yeah. together. And
2: you know, interesting. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of experience with teachers, uh, from the piano in. Like, I think I had, um, I, I don't know exactly how long I had lessons. It might've been only like nine months. It could have been like a year, but it was back sophomore year of high school. And after that, I didn't really have any teachers. And so I didn't have any like experience with teachers, but I'm sure like when you guys were just participating in yoga, like that's, you guys didn't just do that in your basement. You wouldn't you went to classes am i right
0: yes and no i i had a baby so i couldn't really go to classes so i start i actually started to kind of do my own thing but that was back in the days of dvds sure so i'd put in a dvd and that would be my teacher and i'd do that same thing over and over until i thought i was gonna go insane and then i was like i'm gonna get a babysitter and go to a class and learn from like a real person the difference
1: would be like youtube yeah, you know, yeah, dude, I'm on YouTube all day. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you can That's pop on YouTube. That YouTube. YouTube is literally like how we learn things. YouTube University.
2: Yeah, dude. <laughs> okay, dude, I've said that to people and like as a joke, but then they're like, oh, they just nod along, and I'm like. I'm, like <laughs> I'm joking. There's no such thing as a YouTube Ooh, university. Are you guys like, going
0: to trademark it right now? Do it right <laughs> now. YouTube
2: university. It's so funny The you say two that founders are that. in
0: this room for YouTube university. <laughs> yeah, because we totally
1: have affiliations a, with YouTube. There's
2: a, there's a girl I, I dated last year who was like, you can't say that because I was saying that as a joke. I watch YouTube all the time because I'm constantly learning something with cinematic something. And uh, it's YouTube university to me. Mm-hmm. And I'll joke about it. And then she's like, you can't say that. Like people actually like take you seriously because you're not laughing anymore, and it's like even if you're <laughs> laughing, people don't know why you're laughing. So you just need to stop. And I was like, oh, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> it's not. Well, obvious. you could <laughs> just make a
0: domain for it though, just youtubeuniversity.com, and then when people look it up, they're gonna be like, oh, and it'll just be a landing page of you with like two thumbs up. Yeah.
2: You've arrived. <laughs> you <laughs> How do you arrived? feel?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are knowledgeable.
2: oh <laughs> uh, jeez.
0: Sorry. Did yeah, no, I here. derail but, you guys? But yeah, no
2: DVDs, DVDs, um, and YouTube, and like learning stuff on your own. I mean, I came from a uh, private school when I was much younger, K through twelve. Um, it was a Christian private school that I only did K through eight, and then I went to public school. But the curriculum there was super independent. Like some of the some of the times during the day, you were in cubicles working on worksheets or you know workbooks so it was very like focused on individual learning and so i like that resonated really well with me and so i have basically like a lifelong practice of lots of time spent by yourself learning something and so jumping into youtube is like a home run for me it's like or it's like going it's like it's it's you know it makes sense it just makes sense because like i'll watch it on my bus to work or i'll watch it at home or um I've actually enrolled in some classes that aren't YouTube, but they are like trailer music production or how to make like really specific things. And they'll just be like 15 hours Mm -hmm. of just stuff and it'll be in like Logic Pro 9 or whatnot. But like it's the theory, it's the reason, it's the what, it's the how, it's the explanation of it all that, you know, I'll just have it open on my phone or on my laptop and I'll just have my own system up and I'll just like pause the video And I'll make it at the same time they do and I mean that's my learning style You know, it's it's hard to like go to a class. I mean who do you guys do night school? Like does that even I don't, don't know very many people that like <laughs> no. go to night school anymore No, Seems I like...
0: did back in the day because I worked during the day or I had kids during the day and I would go to night school It was really hard. Yeah, I can imagine really that was hard, hard yeah well I don't I don't know it just depends if you're a self-propelled learner or not there's yeah. a lot of people who that seems like all great and fine and dandy but if there if there's not somebody holding them accountable they're just not gonna do it
1: mm-hmm. that's me
0: yeah that's him
1: so there's not someone holding me accountable so like YouTube is great if I want to learn something for right then mm-hmm. do I have a do I have a specific question that I want to know an answer to all right cool I can figure it out but like In order for me to just like use youtube to learn how to produce where do i start yeah give me i need a template i need uh Mm -hmm. this is how you begin this this is how you get there and luckily those things are available but they're not specifically set up through youtube Mm -hmm. in that way yeah i
2: (laughs) i watched so much youtube that i actually got the subscription for it it's ten dollars a month yeah no commercials. Mm.
0: Ooh, that's totally worth it's it though phenomenal. if you're on there a lot.
2: Oh yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, there are tons of uh, especially when I was learning uh, learning how to teach how to play the or learning how to teach the piano, like developing a curriculum, my own curriculum, I was watching a ton of YouTube from my the people that I already watched, but I was rewatching things that were a little bit more basic for me but to learn how they approached yeah. it. Yeah. Because how does how Like, you know, how how do the people that I really look up to and I subscribe to, how do they teach the basic concepts? And so I guess, like, if I were to look for anyone that was the primary influence for how I teach, it's like I these YouTube amateurs that Mm -hmm. are basically just like us three sitting in a room, you know, just they all of a sudden have, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. But it's just because they kept doing what they were doing, Mm -hmm. being
1: true to themselves. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, do you ever think about doing that sort of a setup of getting stuff on video and doing Totally, yeah online classes Um,
2: I don't know. I have definitely thought about this and uh, I do see that in my future Uh, In terms of like hosting online things um, In what capacity? I'm not really sure But right now I need to focus on making music because making music allows me the ability to create a workflow that is very quick and dynamic. And, you know, you want to get to a place where every time you make something, it sounds decent. And then that's when I could start doing like live streams. And then in live streams, you can get a a subscriber base, right? And then uh, uh, I can also, I've also thought about doing, um, uh, they're like, mini series of teaching certain concepts. I I've thought about uh doing this both for production like my own cinematic stuff uh or piano based. It's probably going to be piano first since I feel much more confident with it, but just releasing like a series of two to like eight minute long videos that are just instructional but you know immediately applicable to whatever someone might be wanting to know.
0: Yeah, and it, Jordan can almost, would do it. it can almost you be like it. a
2: substitute to uh, going and getting lessons and so giving stuff out for free like that seems to be like the norm these days because once you withhold free information and say actually this is going to be $20 if you're not known no one's going to pay for that and plus I would you know it, it all comes around in the end right so as long as you have a good heart doing something I would much rather just put stuff out on YouTube so to get teach back- people how to play the piano and then just, you know, continue to make music and just have fun, you know?
1: Yeah. So to get back to pay, you have a full-time gig. Yes. Like a nine to five. Yeah, I work at Zillow. <laughs> okay. And wow. then, yeah. and then you also have to, or not have to, you also teach piano lessons and then you also produce music. Um, you're talking about different ways of, giving out that information and making it accessible for mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have to support yourself. Yeah. If you, like you asked me earlier, would I be a touring DJ? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 What is your like this. ideal composition mm-hmm. of a life that you would enjoy leading regarding totally. the production of music, whether it's, you know, movie score producing, mm-hmm. um, adding in piano teaching, like, what mm-hmm. what's your goal so i i actually do have a series of goals and i
2: um they are very specific and i have definitely my eyes I, you know it's it took me years to get to the point where i now know exactly what i'm doing and why i'm doing it because i know what it's leading to i need that i need to create my own carrot in front of my face because if I don't know what the carrot is, I'm just going to do nothing. So, right now, I do want to make music for movies, but how does one do that? Like, there's no way that I can just think that. So it's like, okay, how do you actually do this? It will actually probably involve me moving to another city, mm-hmm. LA. And but why? Um, so like, I get it, but like, why <laughs> so, do you need to be in LA in order so, to produce music? Um, I will. I will. Uh, that like that's just inevitable. I think that's like an inevitable thing for me. I'll explain that in a second. Okay. But um, right now, it would be making music one just for fun, making music that I like to make. Like the release that I just had today, that's totally my sound. Like it's gonna improve. There's gonna be more orchestra elements in that. But like that, if 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 I'm that's gonna be a first step of who I am as a musician. That's first step. I'm also going to start releasing music that's like trailer music. And so I have a bunch of projects that are like two and a half minutes long, but they're done and they're like trailer, like you listen to a trailer or uh, like a movie, it's really epic and it's just crescendoing, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, bigger. and then it ends with like this, whoa, mm.
1: And then just is over. And it's pretty easy for them to format their trailer Mm -hmm. based around a song you send them. It's not like you have to create the song based around a trailer they send you. And so
2: I'm going to start releasing some of that music on my SoundCloud, self-release it. And then I'm going to actually start withholding that music. And I'm going to start sending it to a number of trailer music companies that I already follow and subscribe to to get their you know attention and i'm going to keep sending the music and then i'm going to start getting opportunities i foresee getting opportunities to make well i guess you just you send in trailer music and they either take it or they don't and then they take like they basically package like 10 to 15 trailer cues in their own like icon trailer music is like a, a a company or whatever it is that i follow and they group together like 10 or 15 and they release it as their own album but before they release it sometimes a couple of those get cherry-picked from their Mm -hmm. own like from like sony studios or something and you know do i get paid very much for that trailer getting picked for this like one movie not necessarily a lot but my name gets noticed and so the next step would be to start building like it's it's a combination of online networking and in-person networking and would be getting experience uh, working as like a composer assistant inside a studio with someone at some at some capacity, which is not a full time gig. It's like a movie. Movies are only like you're only shooting for like a couple, like, months. F- a couple yeah. months and especially if it's a small indie film, it's going to be like a week and then it's going to be another week and it's all going to be in the summer when everyone has the time to do it. Or it'll be like during a, a winter break and it'll just be like an 80 hour work week. And then that'll be the type of experience I'm looking for. But I need to already have made music. I need to already have basically made a name for myself in order to get in the door, to have a conversation with any of these people, because being a composer's assistant means that you already understand how to do everything. Mm-hmm. And once you get into that realm, you start to meet the people that they rub shoulders with. And being a composer's assistant is, everyone knows it's a stepping stone to, to something else. And so-, so do you wanna be a composer? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, being a being a being a composer would be like um, like Hans Zimmer is a composer. Uh, Brian Tyler is a composer who, by the way, is also Masonic. He's like a dubstep DJ, and he does all the Avengers movies. Wow! Nice. And uh, yeah, it's funny. Like there are these there are these really successful com- like movie composers that like have com- like alter egos that are also very <laughs> successful, and you wouldn't even realize it. And um, this is all a long term strategy. For me with being a composer's assistant but you ask why la so having lunch with someone or getting coffee with someone that is a huge deal like it's not even networking it's not even music you have to get along with the people you want to work with and it's really hard to cultivate relationships over the internet Mm -hmm. based on skill because once you eliminate the internet and you're just looking at you're, you're drinking a beer or you're having like breakfast next to someone that you know is also just as equally equally or if not more talented and more connected than you are all that goes out the window and now you're just talking and getting along and you know that's That's organic. And that's
0: that's when you have a friend that says, oh, I have this friend. He's new to the area. mm -hmm. He's great with music. You should have him do your movie.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also (laughs) video games as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Video games uh, are very similar to trailer music in that it always builds. But video games, you make music in layers. um, Very much like pretty much any techno or like Deep House. Like Mm -hmm. everything kind of happens and then... You have a phrase, then it builds again, and then you go to another phrase. And video game music is very much like that. And then the hero advances to the next chapter, and the music is all different again. And mm-hmm. uh, you, the, it, you have to love the things that you're wanting to get into. I want to make music for movies. And so I watch a bunch of movie stuff, like even the DJ sets. And I'm swimming in the deep, for example, is like, I may be done with that forever because I, I want to do more of this movie quote stuff. And I feel like that's not really what swimming in the deep is but I like when I make more sets, I want to do like more cinematic stuff and I may be like walking away from like having DJ four, four type music in these sets because that's like movies are genreless, you know, music is genreless of a feeling an emotion, a message, a story that is something that is genreless and, uh, you know, I guess tangenting a lot, a long ways, but, uh, you know, coming back to, you know, with with my with my goals uh, and you know what I'm trying to do here is, I think that I'm going to end up in LA because getting to know people on a personal level is everything, and you can't do that three states away. Have you ever lived outside of Seattle? I've never lived outside of Washington. I grew up in Pullman, Okay, Gig Harbor. And oh. I went to University of Puget Sounds. I got a okay. chemistry degree. And Putting that to good use, huh? Yeah.
1: Uh, the same way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, university. <laughs>
2: yeah, I got a four-year degree. <laughs> and I learned how to study really hard.
0: But that's what you're doing. You are totally. studying really hard hard and you're putting together that perfect concoction and that perfect yeah. blend that will get you to mm-hmm. your ultimate yeah. goal I, I don't think have you're, timelines you're
2: I don't have timelines I have a clear understanding and I think that you know the people who are really successful they're all like 40 they're all like 50 60, whatever.
0: I better get on that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm behind.
2: And, I mean, the the people who are primary influencers in my life for movie soundtrack music, they're old. Mm -hmm. Like, respectfully, guys. I mean, they've been doing this for years and years and Mm -hmm. years, but I got time. You know, no rush. And that's why I just want to make music. Like, right now, my focus, I just explained, like, my goal, but, like, i'm just making music i'm just having fun i'm learning and all these opportunities i have i'm looking for them but like they'll come you know it's it's all good i used to be in such a rush yeah like it's ruined some relationships for me like i was so urgent
1: so with your djing uh we just talked about how like excited we were to get certain gigs and then um, you referenced your swimming in the deep, uh, a mix series. Do you have more than one?
0: No. Um, it's just,
1: just the one that you have yeah. with, that you added in a bunch of movie quotes, which was awesome. And you said, just, you mentioned that you might be getting away from the original intent, the original intent with that. Um, with this production, your production is so much different than the music that you DJ. Yeah. Well, obviously. Cause it's not four, four, yeah. um, house or techno or tech house or whatever you're, you know, doing cinematic scores, um, trying to, yeah, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Uh, how do you foresee your, we'll call it quote unquote DJ career. Like we talked about, how uh, do you foresee that shifting? Is it still this similar desire to play that music? Or are you hoping to, I don't know, find routes in which you can play your own music? It's a good question.
2: Uh, you know, honestly, I love DJ and I think it's great. It doesn't do it for me, like playing the piano or making a, you know, the stuff that I'm working on right now is something that, you know, I can only talk about because like I'm making trailer music. I'm I'm trying to learn how to really create a feeling from a visual. And, you know, once I start releasing this stuff, I'll be able to like lean back on it and be like, this is the motions I'm trying to do. But that does it for me in a way that DJing just doesn't. And I love DJing and it's really fun and as you know i that's back to me being super grateful for gigs uh, but dude i don't i honestly don't know like how so,
0: uh, what um, i would much hire DJing you for like do. if <laughs> i had a, if i had a cool event where i could just like put whoever i wanted on there i would hire you for something that is dynamic in the way that you've already got the visuals mapped out there's a story that people are going to be watching the music you've made Mm, let's say 60% of it, and it's going, right? And Mm -hmm. you're doing some transitions when you need to, but then you've got the keyboard there and Mm -hmm. you're playing live a layer on top of all of that. That would be dope. So basically, yeah, would,
1: what she wants you to be is Porter Robinson on his yeah, world's tour. Yeah. No.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Okay, not. so I would, I would love to do not. Like that. I want you to be you a, on your tour in a like a CD dark basement with like 10 people who are jamming on it. I don't so fucking want to be So I, I
2: have performed. I, I, went to, I played a show at Rebar. Um, God, that's I've done, this, I've done this a second like time. I forget. So I DJed and played the piano at the same time. Dope. One was at Rebar. Dope. Man, I forget I don't I should remember this this was such a great moment in life yeah. and I don't remember because it wasn't oxymoron live but it was like me just DJing and playing the keys it was so, like Kerry Chandler or you know like there's not all the people that do this so it felt really cool to play and be different yeah there was a a producer that is European I don't even really listen to his music melodic techno his DJ name is something I don't even know how to pronounce it's W O R K.
1: Oh, like A-L-S. Yes. Yeah. And so his live
2: show yeah. is alive live and CDJs and a piano. Ooh, and so I've he never seen it. has done like this headlining thing music, in, in YouTube where uh, it's like this huge like main stage. Like, I don't even know how to it. It's just full. Lots of people. Many, many people. And... uh, uh He started out with some epic intro that was live from his computer, his laptop. And he started pressing buttons and then he transitioned to a song on a CDJ. And then he transitioned to another song on the CDJ. And then the CDJ stopped playing because he apparently still had something playing on his laptop. And then this epic breakdown comes in and he just moves over and plays his piano. And (laughs) I was like, holy shit, I know who my like this? If I were to if I were to do this, this is how I would do this. So right. that was going
1: to get into my next question. So I asked you basically how you saw your DJ career changing, and then I was going to flip it and say how do you see your music producing career changing? Because right. a couple examples. One, do you know Stefan Bodzin?
0: So good. I'll send you some
1: Stefan Bodzin stuff. Mm. Stefan <laughs> is like <You> should. He's <sighs> like one of the top at his. Level that he's at, and yeah. he does a bunch of live sets. He's got a whole bunch of different synths and everything around him, and he's modulating stuff on the fly. It's what a fucking, modulator, huh? Oh, it's so cool. This <laughs> so modulation, dope. man, dude, it's so unreal. Dope. Um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, the other one was Andrew Bayer. Oh, so, dude, like, you listen to his new album? I have listened to parts of it, but what he said with the new Pretty album dope. was that he, like, his previous album, he went into writing some. Uh more inspirational classical pieces, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, instrumental, and then added um kicks to them basically to make them like yeah. like club tracks for like certain ones. And he said music. for this album he went into him writing more of the club tracks, but also with a cinematic emphasis on them. So I didn't know that. Yeah, my, very,
2: very much like that from his music.
1: So my question was like It doesn't seem like producing house music or tech house is something you really want to do. It doesn't seem like something that tickles that itch that cinematic music I'm making house music with
2: friends, but in my own studio, house music is not being
1: produced. Mm -hmm. So the reason is exactly what I think Antonella was getting at was your ability to craft the music you want to hear the cinematic mm-hmm. the piano the beautiful whatever you're creating and then just in its own way adding a four four kick mm-hmm. to stuff that still fits the vibe oh, yeah. and element which allows you to create your music like do you know john hopkins uh
0: we're going on saturday we're going
1: to see him on saturday Why oh my god you so don't familiar? know john no, hopkins i, feel like I swear I should, you do i,
2: I totally like
0: we just have to play some. We'll, oh, we'll have a listening okay. John party after this. John Hopkins is a genius
1: and he's okay. amazing. Okay. But that style of like you can make music that is ambient mm-hmm. that has you know just offbeat whatever weirdness, and half of the album is that weirdness. Another half of the album is like re- like the the dub edit of yeah. it or whatever the extended mix where you add a kick and you like yeah kind of transform it into something Mm -hmm. because i feel like i could see that with you of of creating these masterpieces of cinematic experience and using those as like intros and outros and Uh epilogues in the middle of them and then also taking that same influence and adding a kick in places where instead of Mm -hmm. matching like we talked about rules and they're made to be broken instead of matching the rules of like oh well i have to make this melodic techno track you're able to create whatever beauty you want and then break the rules and have it not be a continuous kick the whole time have different elements that you can piece well and then
0: have the visual of a movie playing like you don't have to make the movie just pick a classic movie Mm -hmm. that you think people might resonate with or might go with the vibe of what you're putting out and just have the movie playing while like you're
1: would, it up would, on like Vimeo yeah, or something I would, I would love to do that that'd be great because then would you're love to basically
0: making your you're, you're doing it already your yeah. master plan of being a um, movie composer you're doing it live mm-hmm. for people have you and, ever
1: played with like final cut pro or anything no see and uh, I, mean, I haven't what, really either i want to
2: get in this thing is you got to be a doer you got to mm-hmm. do it all mm-hmm. i mean not really but you need to actually yeah. be prepared to do it all yourself i can't so imagine I would, yeah show me this i stuff, can't man, imagine like,
1: final cut pro is that difficult if you know your digital audio workspace anyway yeah? mm-hmm. it's just going to be like a what a dvw a digital video workspace well, or something i mean the thing is
2: is that i would actually uh like my immediate next goal is to get connected with people who have like drones or do videos or some way, shape or form. And so I release music that is with a video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that you can do stuff on SoundCloud. I've got a drone. Like, you want a a to like fly video. it? You have a drone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go Maybe fly should, it. Go fly a drone and get, some, get oh, some, I'll give you the raw well, because on- footage. <laughs> because uh, We could like,
0: do a drone of this podcast. Put it like right here. <laughs> like a time lapse. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: there's, uh, I want to, I want to I wanna make music uh, for, um, uh, people's like projects their own like it, like there are people that do uh different types of podcasts. like friends of mine that do podcasts for uh um like uh, one of my friends is doing a podcast for uh, an art thing she's trying to do and there's going to be like lots of talking on top of it but she asked me to do the music be like behind it and mm-hmm. gave me a couple influence tracks and it was just like it's just supposed to be very basic you know not you know just supposed to basically just very much background music so you're gonna ghost produce for her and kidding, so, um, totally i sent i sent her some stuff and i was like here what do you think of this and like well, we had a really great discussion nice. and i'm like came back and doing some edits but you know that's totally the ghost producing where it's like you know for for me to know that i helped your podcast and i helped you that's really rewarding to me because i also got an opportunity to do something you got an opportunity that gets me you closer to my goal
1: you also got to learn in the process exactly. and you'll get credit for it and uh,
2: you know it's it, it, with that mindset and being very happy and content without that sense of urgency i'm like look i just i need to share the world i mean what back when we first started this uh, i told you that like my fear of playing the piano i had to get over that because the only way for me to be successful in the in the very specific context that i want to be you know doing this i want my income to be music 100% i have to share my music Mm-hmm. Because once you share your music, you get to know different people. You meet other people. Those people introduce to more people. You get opportunities to make music in the context that you were looking for. And it all starts with just sharing music.
0: You can put yourself out there. You
2: have to. And I've met, like, Instagram, for example. I've yeah. met so many awesome people in Europe or Russia. Or there's someone in Australia that, like, we have gotten to know each other on this weirdly personal basis just because I put piano stuff on my Instagram and he puts a bunch of piano stuff on his Instagram too and like now we're best friends. Hashtag yeah. piano. Hashtag piano. <laughs> Hashtag piano cover. Hashtag piano
1: gram. <laughs> Hashtag b piano cover. I
0: have a weird side question and, and you might just chalk this up to how Jordan reacts when anybody asks if he'll DJ a wedding, but have you ever considered being a composer for wedding videos because I just had this conversation with our wedding hmm. videographer is he followed up with me and he's like hey do you want it to be movie style or do you want it to be more like a like a music video and yeah, I was totally like what would. are you talking about and he's like I can do you know he's like send me some songs you like and I'll put something together where it's like um a more meaningful song at the beginning during the ceremony and then we pan to the party and there's more upbeat or it can be a whole mo- like movie like people pay big fucking bucks for that stuff Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of people who would love somebody that literally creates instead of having to find some cheesy songs online Mm -hmm. that might or might not fit those moments that are like kind of hacked together Mm -hmm. um just creating it because you've watched the video two or three times it evoked a feeling in you and then Mm -hmm. you started to play and there you go we already
1: talked about uh earlier like DJing weddings. So we, we had that conversation and talked about kind of the dance floor and it clearing and uh, moving over the course of four or five hours. We talked about relating that to um, DJing an hour long set and saying right. an hour long is way too short. Um, but I think that's a really interesting idea to think that about the same sine wave analogy that we talked about yeah. and incorporating that just like you would normally into a song. But instead of it necessarily being like a song, it's fitting like the style of that video yeah. and like working with a videographer in a way of like incorporating <sighs> those together when it's wow. another
0: it's way like to generate it's like my future <laughs> generate income towards your I want to make 100% mm-hmm. of my income off music it's a way to go towards that goal in a in a way that's not being it's not uh, offered that I know of I don't know people who are doing it that way I know yeah. videographers who are patching together music but I don't know people who are selling it's themselves also, as a composer like in my network to too like I, videographers. I, could, I
2: could reach out to the people that do I do it exper- yeah. this is a really good talk we're having right now you guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a creative person but I'm also a business no, I mean, person this there's a part of me that's right. always like how do we make this shit happen so yeah
2: and um, uh, someone someone a friend of mine told me um uh this exact concept of you don't have to wait to figure out ways to make money you could be an amateur right now but if you position yourself correctly if you know how to speak to people and you know how to be honest and set expectations you could be making money now Mm -hmm. and that money is not inorganic or you know fruitless it's i know where i'm at but i also want to work toward being successful or you know financially stable while doing this and you don't need to wait and so Uh, like a reason why i turning point for me djing weddings like a number of years ago into like i should actually do this like this this is sure like i've been doing this i should keep doing this let's go a little bit more professional than what i was doing it's because i just made that decision you know you, you start moving forward you're like okay this is moving me closer to my goal of the time which was to dj more mm-hmm. you know and and you know now my goals are a little bit different but i can actually lean back on all those weddings that I've played and go contact all of those videographers. All the videographers. And and share with them what it is that God, this is... Because they, they want that. They want
0: to be able to offer something in their... Pa- you know, they've got yeah. package levels, right? Yes. So this is your standard package level. And then mm-hmm. for the people who can afford it and who want to pay more, they're going to want a composer to mm-hmm. create a soundtrack to their love and their day and... Those people with money also have connections. So the people who just got married and you literally created the sound of their most magical day, Mm -hmm. they know somebody or they're in that world where they go, Oh, I know this sounds weird, but this guy (laughs) created or composed our wedding, basically. like You should consider him for your movie or for your commercial Mm -hmm. or your trailer. I just it's about aligning yourself in a way like i don't think mm-hmm. any job in that respect is pointless or a waste of time if you if you think of it in the right yep in the right big picture concept and
2: even going along with that uh, i i've sold insurance in my past and even at zillow i while I, I i'm not working directly as a salesperson i'm like a analyst for sales stuff related Mm -hmm. stuff but I think about the sales aspect of everything and that's a time factor and you got to work it for a while for your network to really come back around to you you know there's the first flow of hey I'm doing this you know you reach out to all like theoretically let's just say tonight I just go reach out to all these people that we just talked about I need to keep making music and I need to keep moving forward and keep doing me because maybe like nine months down the road, one opportunity comes down, down the yeah. pipe. You know, it's not like, not a sprint. It's like a let's just go contact these people now. But I need I need to have my own plan.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you know, like as I continue to achieve my own plan, all the seeds that I've sowed around here are also going to be really wonderful opportunities to help, you know, my plan. You know, I guess be more successful. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah um zillow annoys me by the way
3: it annoys annoys a lot of people
0: (laughs) Uh, now that i finally unsubscribed i'm good but um for like a good year and a half well kind of so a good year and a half after i sold my house every week i was getting the email saying how much it was worth now and i was like god like, why stop, did we sell when we sold me. yeah and then yeah. finally I was like why didn't I just unsubscribe from this I don't want to know anymore and every once in a while I'll say god can you imagine if you hung on to your house I'm like shh, shh unsubscribe
2: There's a, <laughs> uh, I, work in, I work in the part of Zillow where they're buying homes now mm. and it's a really sensitive subject for a lot of people and uh, friends of friends and also people that I've interacted with like professionally the people that I don't know there are lots of people that hate Zillow for what for what they're doing or this specific concept. And I'm like, wow, people feel really strongly about this stuff. Like I just love what I do. I'm like really challenged in a really healthy way and I get to like leave my work at work and
0: that's come awesome. Home and, that's a good balance. And
2: and and just do a bunch of music. But like it's just very funny how people feel very strongly about the way things are right now. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is uh a- People just feel strongly about a lot of things. Yeah, and they go oh, to the- Facebook to talk about it. Well, <laughs> to, to not like all
0: of like Amazon back. haters and Facebook haters, like everybody's... Genre haters. Oh, my,
2: so I, I, my first day at Zillow uh, was a lot of fun. I realized that there's 1,300 people that work there in the city of Seattle. Oh. Biggest company I've worked for. It's awesome. Holy crap, we're in the Russell investment tower thing building and the views are awesome and then i learned that amazon is fifty five thousand people yeah. that like work in the city i'm like yeah what? like i knew the amazon was big and everything but at the same time
1: what like w- 55 fifty five thousand people do
2: yeah <laughs> they work a lot <laughs> because do they do? apparently they just work their employees to death right yeah <laughs> but what, they, what are they doing Computer stuff. They're Half the
1: literally they're just managing shipping, other people. They're getting
2: my stuff to my house in two no, days. No, they're or not
1: less. doing that. <laughs> the, the, the robots the worker, are. <laughs> the workers in the facility with the robots, they're doing that.
0: They're innovating. Uh, they're innovating all the time. I, I mean, actually
2: I know. But. I got a chance to go look at that on the inside of the Amazon. Bezos' uh, balls. The huge. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 false. it's the algorithm inside of his balls that really just made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw, I, I got to see firsthand that like the robot situation that happens inside the Amazon huge warehouse. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but there's like rows upon rows upon rows of of robots they come in and they just basically like you you know the game where you can make like a complete picture within a square but you have to move each square once at a time they can be like sequential or it could be a bigger picture imagine that but with robots carrying pallets Hmm. And they just move, and just like in a little area, because it's they there's a timing factor, and then there's just the computer algorithm, and then there's people just like monitoring the robots that don't need breaks, and yeah, it's it's an insanely huge
1: operation that gets so, to my stuff in two days, so So whatever. Dave, the yeah. other half of Gravity Lift, well, I mean we're now a third Gravity True. Lift, but uh. But yeah, Dave works at the Amazon facility in Kent, which is like the big facility in Kent. And he's a shipping manager there. So he'll send me snaps of just these robots. He's like, yeah, robots just doing their job. And that facility is ginormous. (laughs) I worked at FedEx and there's the facility in Redmond is like one of the bigger facilities in the state. Um, And it's nothing compared to some of the bigger cities where there's even more, um, but uh, you're in a huge warehouse. And I yeah. thought that warehouse was massive. And Dave would send me a snap, totally. And it's just like, what? Like, mm-hmm. how is there a building that big? Yep. And it's just full of stuff. <laughs> full of stuff. <laughs> With robots moving shit around.
2: Microphone stands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Headphones.
2: <laughs> Headphones. Every, and like it gets any, you everything. in two days. Everything. <laughs> A three pack
0: of of iPhone charger cords
1: Right before our (laughs) wedding Dave came over and we went to like play Halo That's where we got the name Gravity Lift from It was from Halo. Did you ever play Halo? Of course dude. Of course that's where you got gravity. Oh my god It all stems back to that uh, so that's like how Dave and I met oh my and like God. became good friends back I in miss the day. I <laughs> I know. So we all uh, hate the Master Chief anniversary. Um, <laughs> they like fully renovated everything, yeah. like reset all the levels, got a bunch of like Twitch streamers that were like old OG Halo gamers to start gaming again, and it's like a revitalized community for a little bit. Really? It's pretty fun to hop back on. But so right before our wedding. I had uh, someone bring over an Xbox and I had my Xbox and we did like a little LAN of just like some of the homies that all met playing Halo and we were down one controller and Dave, Amazon... Go, like pr- now now amazon now or something ordered a controller and in like an hour and 15 minutes an xbox controller showed up with batteries yep i was like and it took an that, hour and 15 do that with minutes alcohol, too like, like i was
2: at a i was at a, a party where they ran out of alcohol and like 45 minutes later it's definitely like,
0: happened to us on the boat it arrives it arrives <laughs> in greenwood <laughs> amazon now and like,
2: well. yeah and amazon now like it, you use it as a verb in a sentence yeah. i'm like yeah basically it's amazon now yeah, um, bonkers. I worked at a uh, safety supply company before uh, where I'm at now. And the president of that company, like, there's only like 11 people that work there. It was a family owned business. So the president of the company, some basically just like me, uh, hated Amazon because oh, he was like, people don't realize that you. Amazon is just ruining the experience for everyone. You're mm-hmm. Like it's going to get so much better and then it's going to get worse.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You're um, eliminating the people that are actually delivering the goods to you. If you order something off Amazon, there's an issue. They're like, okay, well, great. You can just return it. <laughs> Like no, I like I can fix it. I just need you to help me. Like I'm sorry, we don't have the capacity to do that because we just it. we just we just bought it. Here's for your you. money back. <laughs> and no, you can't go contact the factory that actually made this that we bought this. You know, like yeah. it, if you bought this from Sony, you can call Sony. Or you know, if I with Cubase, if I bought that through Amazon. And Cubase was somehow like wrapped up in Amazon. I wouldn't be able to contact Cubase like I could now. Yeah. And you're just eliminating that. Like, where I guess Amazon is not eliminating the middleman. They're becoming like the middleman. They're becoming they're, everything. They're disallowing you to contact the people that actually make your stuff. People are trying and to so, break them
1: up as a monopoly. They're calling them a monopoly, much how Microsoft. And it's it's in a different context of what a monopoly is. But in some ways, it's very much a monopoly. Dude, dude, there's
2: like nothing in Amazon. I think Amazon I should really like get checked. But I don't even know what I'm talking about. Right One, and <laughs> like when something gets too big you need to stop it and i'm like uh, well I yeah but like, i you know, really
0: what? like my two-day prime i also really like getting my crap in two yeah. days too so it's just and i like <laughs> being able to have options we so. as the consumer
2: and also i don't know if you guys realize this but if you price check your own stuff before you buy it on amazon most often you'll actually end up paying more on amazon even with the free shipping like uh common things like uh what did i buy i bought uh uh, I I bought some adapters off of Amazon for various DJ wedding stuff. I overpaid on Amazon when wow. I didn't even realize, and it, and and then I I I because I went to a um there was a place down in Wallingford where I had to get one more adapter, uh for a plug-in and it was only a buck ninety-nine and I was like I paid four ninety-nine each on Amazon no way and I didn't realize it,
0: that's crazy and so
2: Amazon definitely makes their money because. To a consumer, you're like, oh, cool, That's just price convenient. is
1: fine. Well, that's how it is at, like, you don't even grocery stores, anymore. too. Like, uh, you'll notice certain grocery stores have certain items that are cheaper than other ones. And then that another grocery store will have certain items that are cheaper. So you yeah. shop there and you're like, oh, but this that I get, this bag of potato chips, is a dollar cheaper. <laughs> so I'm going to shop here. But then you don't notice that half the stuff yeah. is jacked up a dollar more than it is at the other place.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, complicated. I go back and forth with whether or not I care about, like, the price of... All these little groceries that I buy because I live in uh, Green Lake, like in the heart of Green Lake now. Or nice. Or guess not. I guess I guess it's the, so. I'm like right next to PCC and Bartell Drugs, area. and PCC is a really great place to shop, but it's also like the most expensive place. Yeah. And we definitely go it's to PCC. His and, and I'm
0: always like in pain every yeah, time we go there. Yeah.
2: It's it's so expensive. Here's but the thing. Honestly, the food
1: is so good. The food yeah. is good. Uh, we have paid in to be a member. And so, uh, one day out of every month, you get ten percent off your entire bill. One day, so yeah. You get to pick that day. Yeah. yeah. So okay. save and your on, big shopping run. For and that. on the fifteenth and the sixteenth of each month is five percent off days. So it, anything you buy on oh. the fifteenth and the sixteenth is automatically five percent off. You pay like a sixty dollar one time fee. And that means every single time I shop, if I spend $300 on groceries for a family of four, a it's lot. A, yeah. I have yeah. a family of Actually, four. Actually, it's not that much. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like, like $70 yeah. like, I spent so much. It's right. crazy. You spend $300 on groceries yeah. and I get 10% off that. And that means I save 30 bucks. And that was in one month when yeah. my whole like subscription was $60. All right paid that off in two months and i've had that for years and i shop regularly once a month the other difference is it's a small collective that's privately owned and they Mm -hmm. donate tons of money and help to local farms yeah so instead of being a large corporation that is making money for profit and then giving that money to shareholders Mm -hmm. instead it's a small local privately owned company that is doing good for the community around and they also source higher quality ingredients than just getting the cheapest thing that they can in there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to Walmart and buy eggs for 89 cents for a dozen. Oof. Yeah, I'm paying <laughs> $6 for a dozen of them, which is insanely more expensive. But I know that the the welfare of the animals and the middleman that we were talking about, the, the small scale mm-hmm. farmer who's trying to survive and loves his chickens and loves his job and loves his life, mm-hmm. can make a living instead of that person who hates their job and is around a million half dead chickens Ugh. as they're just laying eggs for mass scale production and they mm-hmm. can't move out of a certain room Yep. like
0: and some billionaires making money off that and so when yeah. we talk yep. about
1: supporting a night and being willing to pay 10 bucks to go pay a night fuck yeah i'll pay way more money for my groceries because i want to support my local farm in my community yeah. i want that you know, 50 miles or under mm-hmm. food that's coming to my grocery store. Not yep. something that's coming from the East coast cause it's cheapest. You know, I watched uh, a YouTube video. I was cleaning up my, uh, my, on
2: YouTube university, but I was watching a, <laughs> a, a podcast of a, a husband and wife who were, um, their series is interviewing people of interest and they interviewed Elon Musk's brother. Hmm. And his brother is looking to redefine food in a such a large way, and uh, he's starting with the children. He's starting with um, basically reintroducing child or introducing children to farms and how to farm. How do you grow a carrot? How do you, when these kids get a little bit older, how do you actually like use the um? You know, you can actually get shipping containers and grow like a ton of food inside of these shipping containers, and how to do that. So he's teaching. He's giving these kids. Tools to grow food, but what he's really doing is he's Big picture you spread this education across, you know the world you are changing the demand 10 years from now of What we as a society want to eat and so he's making the bet that I'm gonna be capitalistic very Elon musky in nature to make money off this But I'm literally going to make the world a better place because how are you gonna get better food? You have to change the demand and how do you do that you just give up on the society today and you work on the society of tomorrow yep. and you start with educating kids and so he says that these kids they go home freaking out that they grew they grew kale mm-hmm. and the parents are like i don't even know what kale is like what's kale and all of a sudden my kid wants it and now their home is buying kale well so and that
1: story it, brought me all the way back to the lorax that was the name that of the it. movie. <laughs> oh because, because it was about the oh kids. And we're God. coming back to a generation oh. <laughs> with young kids and saying, this is the future. Fuck all these people yes. that are our age who, well, I mean, unless you're stoned like me and you go watch the movie and you're still willing to listen to the message, but they're like, let's target the children and let them know the bigger picture that, like, you can change the world. And that whole movie was about, like, what, logging and, like, keeping trees alive? I don't even know what it's about. It's about it's about amazing, I don't know, telling you to be a good person. Very Dr. Susie,
0: So Thanks, I missed the first 90% of this podcast, but how long have you been going? I uh, curiosity.
1: We're two and a half hours in.
0: So to me, that seems like a beautiful way to wrap this up. <laughs> the like, Lorax. The way you the just said that. Come
1: back to the Lorax. I should uh, make a
2: song and call it the Lorax. Just yes, it, please. It's for
0: the people. <laughs> Not many people are gonna listen much long. longer than this. <laughs> Too I know, much my mom I know I happen. will and you will. But if there is anyone still listening, is there any last like message that you want to get out into the world? If you had a big billboard and you could put anything on it, what would you write? Like what do you want to express before we say goodnight?
2: Um, so I would really like to take this moment to thank people for listening <laughs> and sticking with us for this song. And if you in any capacity, want to make music, either with me or learn how to make something. Like, I live in a perfect place with an upright piano and a studio and multiple chairs and, like, a really open personality, and I want to make music with people. And if you have a voice or, you know, if you play the guitar or maybe it's been a while since you've done that, hit me up. I would really like to just at least start a conversation and talk about music or in some capacity, maybe even hang out because I'm all about music and I'm all about creating this sense of like, let's do something and hang out together. So if you're listening and you want to pick up that instrument again, like, let me know and like, let's, let's see if we can make something fun in my studio. That would be such a blast. So...
0: Yeah. That's my billboard. And you have Skype, so if they're not local, oh, the, Skype you, you is can a do thing too. On, yes. on the Interwebs, you can do it that way. Go
2: on the Interwebs yeah. and let's Let's connect. Let's do that. I, I mean Sweet. like that's in my world. That's that's what it's all about. It's all about connection and
0: Did you know this is a yoga perfect. podcast? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga is about connection. And every single person we've had on here, and every single person we've had on here, even if we're talking about music, they're all fucking yogis. And I love it. It's all about connection. Nice. nice work.
1: Well, thanks so much for joining yeah, us, too. It, it was a blast. pleasure to be here. All right. I think I was nervous. <laughs> Thank you, guys. This thanks was everyone blessed. for
0: listening.
1: Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space.
0: And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.